Options activity has altered the investment landscape. Get an edge on this massive flow of funds with Tier 1 Alpha's Market Situation Report brought to you by Hedgeye. A daily newsletter of the latest moves in the options market and a weekly webcast featuring myself, Mike Green of Simplify Asset Management, and Tier 1 Alpha's Craig Peterson and David Pegler. Go to hedgeye.com research for more information. Good morning, KC. What's going on, man? Good morning, good morning. How you doing, man? I am good. Really just sitting down to uh, things now. What have you been watching? Um, I just got done charting IWM. So IWM is going to be on my top watch today for a break to the upside above 164. So it seems like that level's also like pre-market high resistance right now. So I think if IWM shows some strength and breaks above 164 on the larger time frame, it looks like it can get a nice squeeze to the upside today. So I just got done charting that, and that's going to be my top watch this morning to try and catch. Perfect. IWM. Interesting one here. Do you also look at stuff like TNA or other areas? Um, I'll jump over to uh, TNA every now and then. Uh, I don't trade TNA, but I will uh, just chart it and mark some key levels just to have kind of extra confluence with my IWM trades. Kind of the same way I use VIX with SPY, I uh, kind of use the TNA using uh, that with my IWM trades every now and then. Perfect. Sounds good, KC. What's up, G-Nuts? Leo, Leo. Yeah, I, honestly, I'll be you... watching uh, IWM as well, so... <laughs> It's pretty easy. IWM spy cues. Um, Let's get it. Yeah. Let's see if I can hammer it out again like yesterday. Dude, you killed IWM. So the main thing right now on IWM is if you just pull up the one-hour chart on IWM or the four-hour chart, it, you can just draw a nice channel. You can do a trend line on all the bottom wicks and a trend line on the top wicks right now. Yesterday, IWM in the morning wicked above it, but rejected and it came back down. As of right now, it is now breaking above the trend line and kind of consolidating and just has 164 resistance and showing a squeeze to the upside. So that's the reason why I like IWM upside potentially today, just looking at the larger time frame. It's going to be an interesting one for sure. See how it plays out. Got you, got you. I am loading up my other phone. I'm going to bring in Evan's account. I think he's his flight got delayed. He's like in like Vienna or something like asleep in an airport. So I'm going to figure that out. But in the meantime, Kim, what's going on? Good morning. Yeah, just um, the market was down last night and then started to rally. So seeing if we can have a second day here where we um, actually, you know, we had eight days in a row and seeing if we can have a second up day. Um, I agree with the IW, the IWM. I look at the futures. Um, you know, that's been the one that's gotten the most beaten down. I think it hit a the low of like over a year or something. So definitely the one to watch. Um, yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. All right. Oh, would you look at that? He's popping in. Okay, what's up, Nate? What's going on? 
Hey, good morning, everybody. Everybody's having a good day. Starting to Getting some candy ready for the day. Hopefully, we get some treats in the market. Really looking for some bounces and continuations here today, but we'll see how it goes. It's a little bit late. Didn't catch anybody else that just started, but um, saw Caterpillar uh, sold off pretty hard pre-market. So looking at that, might get that gap to close. Otherwise, just kind of feeling things out this morning. Looking forward to hearing what what the team here has, at the panel has to say. I listening to uh, Rocket Scooter and getting the good info that we get every morning. So. Yeah, kind of patient on the open. My kids got me up early already, getting excited for the day. So I'm getting into the charts, just getting getting rolling. But yeah, looking at Caterpillar with the earnings, and then uh, you know I mentioned DraftKings yesterday. Uh, I think that heading into their earnings Thursday, we might see some momentum. So looking at possibly trading some DraftKings as well, and then the typical uh, looking at spy. And uh, I'm key in on some levels here, so I'll have to circle back. I haven't quite got my spy levels all mapped out just yet, but uh, definitely ma- circle back to that, get those planned out, and, and see what we got going this morning. Looking to get some trading done. Perfect. Okay, sounds good, Nate. What's up, Crypto DJ? Good to have you on stage, man. What are you watching? Good morning, Nesky. How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. Nice. What about you? Yeah, not too bad, buddy. Not too bad. It's been a it's been an interesting morning for me. Obviously, I'm I'm in the UK, so I've been up for a while looking at the markets. Um, I mainly trade uh, digital assets, so BTC is on my radar at the moment. It's it's been interacting with resistance and creating a a, a, a almost a bull flag in the 50 minute time frame here. It's Interesting how it's reacting to this $35,000 level at the moment. Keeps rejecting off of it and volume drops off quite a lot. So it's a cause for slight concern. I don't think it's a, I'll be watching it quite closely. I'm not entirely sure that it's going to break through it this week. I would love to see it. So I'm going to just stay out of uh, from trading it at the moment to see where we can move over if we do. Turn resistance into support. Where I've got a target of around forty thousand that I've been watching for the last couple of months. So it'll be interesting if we can make our way up toward that. So until we until we make that move from flipping resistance into support, I'll be uh, staying out of trades for BTC at the moment. Yeah, definitely an interesting one to watch. Had that big gap up and kind of traversing there. Been around that what thirty four, thirty five. K area for a little bit here. Why is it not showing up on my dashboard? That is strange. Okay, here we go. Yeah, 34.3 ETH back under 1800 right now. Just kind of dipped under below it. But yeah, definitely an interesting area. Certainly still seems to be strength and stuff like GBTC. But yeah, pretty Mm -hmm. flat on the week. Yeah, definitely a lot of strengths. I think what we've seen, uh, I've mentioned this a few times in different spaces, uh, not last week, the week before, I think we started pricing in uh, in a move off of an improved conversion from the Grayscale's futures ETF to uh, spot ETF. So once the news drops on that, if it gets approved, I think we'll have priced in that move. Blanket approval, not sure the market is priced that in. So, yeah, there's a, there's a few catalysts that I'm watching at the moment. And caution's definitely needed uh, in this space because we could see a, to reverse back a little bit if, uh, if that approval doesn't come. Sounds good. What's going on, Adam? 
Hey, good morning, everyone. Hope you're all having a fantastic morning and happy Halloween. Uh, yeah, very interesting day yesterday. Uh, made some good money. Yesterday was a good day for me personally. Today, got consumer confidence at 10 o'clock, so just be careful of that. And obviously, tomorrow you have FOMC, so keep that on your radar. Uh, for me personally, I'm keeping an eye on Caterpillar, uh, down 6% right now in pre-market. So kind of interesting to get an idea where industrials are going to end up uh, today. Looking for some support, basically where we're at, like 227 to 225, I've got a support range here. So seeing if it can base out here and might uh, kind of go long on this downturn uh, with a you know few little bit of time on those contracts, something like that. Also, Microsoft looking super interesting to me. And conversely, something to keep your eyes on for the market, uh, Apple's scary fast event yesterday looks like no one really cared about, in my opinion. So, And the stock's kind of reacting in that way. So with Microsoft off and Apple down, could lead to kind of a mixed bag on the market today because obviously those stocks uh, weigh very heavily on how the SPY and obviously the Qs will perform. So keep an eye on those things on your radar this morning. Uh, other than that, uh, as soon as we get the market opened up, I'll give you guys an idea um, what we're looking at uh, through a rocket scooter lens. As it pertains to the last six days, bulls are still in the position that they are liquidating their positions on SPY right now, which again is something that we've only seen. Uh, actually, we haven't seen it all this year. So for this calendar year, this is the fourth or fifth time. And all those times that we've seen that have been in this last week. So very, very, very concerning uh, if you're a bull, if that data still presents itself uh, for like the longer term, or I should say the, the midterm here. So next like one to two weeks out. So definitely something uh, just to be cautious of if you are someone who's looking to swing to uh, the long side in the near term. Uh, unless that data changes, could obviously get that Santa rally, but as, I'm assuming based on how the data looks, waiting for FOMC to come out and see if there's an adjustment there. But if not, uh, definitely something to be uh, concerned of. But yeah, we'll get into the meat and potatoes of all that as soon as the market opens up. Perfect. Thank you, Adam. Good morning, Minx. What are you watching? Good morning. I am watching my... Usual NASDAQ on NQ. So um, I actually just got to the computer a little bit ago, but looks like we've, we've gone up quite a bit um, overnight. Um, and then we did come down on that news uh, or the data that came out. But um, I will be waiting to see what happens at the open. We are about the, the pivot point, which is typically a bullish sentiment. But again, anything can change once, you know, the market opens. And I think we've got some data coming out in a little bit, like in, at 10 a.m. So just going to wait and see. I'm a scalper, so I can go long or short. I'm very flexible. So looks like we're kind of basing right now a little bit around uh, the point of control on NQ. So Sounds good as well there, Minx. Minx. Talking a little bit of risk management for today. You are typically in scout mode when we are chatting. How did that work out yesterday? What are you taking into today? Um, scalping for me works. Um, I always have a stop loss that's that doesn't change. I mean, it's always the same um, amount of points or ticks. So that that's the way I manage my position. Um, my reward is usually double than that. Um, 
So when I'm in a scalp mode, to me, if I'm green, I don't want, even if it's reversing, I do not want my green trade to go, you know, red and then for me to take a big loss on it. It happens, but I usually try to move my stop loss into profit taking. Um, but, it, you know, to me, the sooner I'm, you know, out of the, out, out of the trade, the better. Um, just, it works for me, I guess. Sounds good, Max. Yeah, listen, definitely I've seen it work for you, and it's great to have you in here, be able to trade alongside you. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, Evan, are you are you awake? Do we Can we get the news? Yeah, what's up, everybody? It's been a long day on my end. But, uh, but yeah, a couple of news stories from this morning. We did have um, the house price index just coming at 5.6%. There's no expectation for that, but house prices in the U.S. increasing by 5.6% year over year. A couple of uh, small to medium-sized deals, Microsoft and Siemens partnering uh, in generative AI, Eli Lilly buying the rights to a drug from Beam Therapeutics. It's uh, to commercialize treatments for heart disease that make use of an experimental gene editing tool. They're going to spend up to $600 million on that. Palo Alto announced an acquisition. Uh, GSK bought a drug from Johnson & Johnson. A couple other stuff in that arena. Uh, we have NVIDIA. There was a story uh, from Wall Street Journal kind of around their China orders talking about how they have $5 billion of orders that are kind of in limbo right now, just given the new uh, export rules from the U.S. government. So that's definitely something to keep on watch. NVIDIA is showing a little bit of weakness today. Uh, it was mentioned earlier, we had a, an earnings or two this morning. The ones that I really watched were Pfizer, which came in on a beat on EPS and a miss on revenue, and then Caterpillar, which... Uh, smashed EPS earnings that expectations five dollars fifty two cents is what they reported. Wall Street was expecting four dollars and seventy seven cents. So it's a big beat by Caterpillar. They also slightly beat revenues as well. Apple had their iPhone event last night. Uh you know, it's they announced oh no, sorry. Apple had their Mac event last night. Not many people care about the Mac, so uh, as Nate was saying, didn't really move the stock. People don't care about it. I wouldn't expect it as a negative or positive catalyst, but for a lot of people who watched that iPhone event, it was kind of similar-ish to that, where it was a very small upgrade on the last cycles. They announced a new M3 chip lineup with three nanometer chips. So uh, for people who like that stuff, they're going more in that area. But um, for the average person, especially if you have M2 chips and your thing, nothing really changed on that one. Uh, we had Pinterest earnings last night and a couple others. We had Lockheed Martin getting a contract with the U.S. government, $996.2 million, which... You know, sounds like a lot of money, but for Lockheed Martin, it is not the biggest of defense deals. I've seen a couple in the billions. Um, yeah, that's most of the big news stories that I was watching this morning. There's a couple price target increases and, and changes across the board. Uh, so definitely keep those on watch and we can circle back to some of them as we get further on. Uh, and a couple more earnings such as Amgen and, and, and a few others. But um, but yeah, that is mostly what uh, I was watching. Hey, good morning, guys. GM, Maple, what's going on, bro? Good morning, Maple. Just chilling, just chilling. I'm in ES short at like 91.75. I covered half already. I'm looking for VWAP here, if we can get that lower low under 87. I'm usually trading futures on Thursdays, but you're making me want to pull it up now. Yeah. It's good stuff, man. I see the lower high. I just need that lower low, and then uh, we'll rebalance on VWAP. 
How do you decide to balance between futures and, I guess, more traditional options? Well, you know, I'm I'm trading prop, um, and so when I hit my daily goal in either my PA accounts or on my options accounts, um, I just call it right. I'm not aiming for ten, twenty thousand dollar days. I'm just here for consistent gains, consistent profits, um, and as I move on, sizing up just increases that. But keeping the system refined and consistent is what matters most. So, like, if I hit, like, on my PAs, uh, there's rules and stuff, but if I hit, like, 500 to 1,000 on my PA for my prop for futures, uh, move on to the next PA, to the next PA. If I hit, like, you know, my daily going options, I just shut it down there. Robert McGordy here, Director of Subscriber Development at Hedgeye. Hope you're enjoying our podcast. Start generating alpha with our suite of Sector Pro investing research products. Dive deep into retail, industrials, technology, and everything in between with exclusive access to the sharpest analysts and actual ideas on Wall Street. Go to hedgeye.com forward slash research to subscribe. Enjoy the rest of this episode. That definitely makes sense. But uh, above all else, I'll focus on ES futures um, as my kind of market uh, direction or director. Yeah, that seems to be kind of the overall theme. Although when we're uh, on these future spaces on Thursdays, I always feel like everybody's just lo- rolling with NQ these days. Seems to oh, be dude, popular. I love pick. NQ. Um, <laughs> he's crazy though, man. All right, uh, four point gain on ES. I covered another quarter there. Love it. What's up, Matt? Hey, what's up? Good morning, guys. What are you looking at here? I'm uh, still looking at the you know state of the positional data. It still shows this next you know week or two is still going to be volatile, some downside. So I'm just looking. I'm still taking short side in the market, looking for pops to sell off on, and um, you know letting earnings create some catalysts for markets to kind of bump up. I, th- I still think we have a really terrible rest of the month through the November expiration. I'm also on vacation, vacation but I'm out on some mobile on my phone right now. Okay. Sounds good. No worries. Yeah, we got about another 10 minutes to open. If anybody's looking at anything, feel free to pop in here. Share what you're watching, talking about. I'll share a great idea real quick, and I put it out on my Twitter. Uh, you guys are interested. But right now, and it worked for me pretty well last week, I'm uh, in a put credit spread on UVXY, mainly because of the fact of how SPY is looking uh, heading into the rest of this week from a monthly MAPS perspective. And obviously, we all know that volatility more than likely is going to climb into Wednesday uh, on the overall market in general. So getting into a put credit spread where you're short theta long volatility here could be as a nice little hedge uh, going into today and into tomorrow. You'll get that theta decay, which if you're only doing like a, a $1 spread, you're probably going to lose about eight cents on the, those uh, spreads just from now till then, even if the stock just goes or the stock, the, the volatility just goes sideways. Um, so kind of a, a nice little hedge to consider if you're someone who wants to, de-risk a little bit, but still play uh, a little on the thinking that volatility is going to increase between now and then. So something to consider. 
Sounds good. Ooh, so we got a couple more fellers coming up here on stage. What's up, Paper? Just getting set up. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. What's up, Blake? Yo, good morning, man. Just uh, finishing up my meditation, getting in the right mind state for this market open. Very nice, very nice. Couple of things that I'm watching right here. So going into pre-market, we got about 10 minutes towards the open. SPY currently is up about 0.09%. It was up about 0.3% earlier. It went all the way up to 416, 417 area. Uh, coming back down a little bit here. Quite the bounce that we've had from that moment where we went under 410 on Friday. QQQ, uh, that one is going to be down here in pre-market, down about 0.12%. It was also up a little bit in pre-market back to that 350-ish area. Still doing really good year-to-date. 29.8% year-to-date on QQQ. Not too shabby. Where's Bitcoin. Bitcoin is at 34.3 at the moment, I believe. Yeah, 34.333. No, year to date, year to date. Oh, year to date, Bitcoin. That's a good question. Uh, well, this chart does not show about, me that. I think we're about 100% almost. Yeah, it's probably right around there. I mean, it looks like it started January 1st at 16.6. So if it hey, is at 13, uh, 34, then yeah, should be right around 100 Maybe a little bit over 100% gain, I would say, on Bitcoin year-to-date. We had our crypto guy up here, but he dropped down. What if that's him? Well, I'm, I'm not your crypto guy. <laughs> oh, well. He literally has crypto in his name. Got you. So what are we uh, expecting for the market today, guys? I, I have a rule. I don't take any long positions below a declining five-day moving average. And I got a feeling we're going to test that five-day moving average today. So if we get above that and above the daily VWAP and above some hedge pressure... Uh, the stars might be aligning for a long position for me today. Interesting. Also, Minx, I saw your comment. You always do great. No self-doubt allowed here. All right. Looks good. Paper, you ready to roll through some of what you're watching here in pre-market? Uh, yeah, sure. Watching NVIDIA get cracked again second time for the same headline so that's kind of interesting below 400 that's a clear short uh western dig uh pulling back pretty heavily below its 200 day looking at a 38 38 50 foot maybe uh on any any continuation down below 38 um post earnings on that one uh spy is pretty clean to me i i do trade this this is uh 415.85 right about where we're gonna 415.90 give or take looks like thursday's um pre-market high and near the pivot of where we were yesterday, that's a clean break of structure on SPY, SPY. Um, so I would trade that to the upside continuation. Uh, Tesla, I am short, but I'm probably going to cover pretty quickly just because I don't want to be um, stuck in a possible liquidity grab. Um, meaning like, is it is it one of those situations where you flush just to like rip heavily to the upside? Uh, I want to be very cautious of that. So I need to see that either continue down below 193.80 uh, pre-market lows, and then I'm looking for 185, uh, and then 180 below that for my targets. <clears throat> um, Snowflake I had on watch, 
possible upside over 146 at this point, but it's it's looking a little toppy. So open to a downside sub 143 <laughs> pre earnings. Um, yeah, looks like Nvidia is going to be a quick quick one. Um, that one's looking pretty weak in the in the pre market on that, and I think I feel like WDC is a is a pretty clean layup to the short side. That's those are my main watches right now. Yeah, WDC is splitting the company in half after a deal failed for them. Or splitting into two divisions. I don't know if it's actually half. Yeah, I heard, I caught some kind of like offering headline also. I don't know if that's like validated or not. Gina, do you want to cover those QQQ levels? Yeah, actually $1.3 billion of convertible notes for Western Digital. I think, but yeah. I think that one, because I mean, the huge pop. Um, and split, yes, but um, the convertible note thing, I think, uh, at a critical technical level, that's a this should be a, a pretty big flusher if it does go to the downside, just off where it was technically at the 200. Catch. Over to you, Sergi Nuts. Yeah, Gina, you want to cover those QQQ levels you posted? I can also cover them. I do have them right in front of me. Oh, sorry. No I didn't notice I was muted. I was talking that whole time. I, didn't, I was muted. I do that a lot. Um, what's it called? Yeah. So, Q's sitting here. If it's always at, for me, if it's always at a specific level right at open, I don't consider that my range break up or down, obviously, because we're starting at that level. Um now, whether we're above it or below it, I'll put it as a support or resistance. But range break to the upside would, for me, would be three forty nine sixty five, and I still want to see what hedge pressure would be as well. Um, so check both those out. Then range break to the downside would be three forty seven fifty. Um, on spy, it would be. I posted that one too. Uh, range break to the upside four seventeen sixty five, and again. If it's sitting at the level right at open, in this case, the downside level, I'll do the next one down. And it, that range break to the downside would be 415.35. If you look past on, honestly, the past couple of months looking at these levels, like looking at these levels that are posted daily, you'll see they do add, you know, pretty good confluence. And the reason why is it's based off candles. Again, I think people overlook candles so much. It, it's something that everyone trades every single day, but they don't like going into it. Um, so definitely give it a look. But I do want to see what hedge pressure brings out, uh, hedge pressure brings out, and also add those in as my support and resistance. As I said before, I use hedge pressure as you know that that standing point as well. Hi. Robert McGordy here, Director of Subscriber Development at Agile. Join our entire research analyst team live before the market opens for deep dive investing analysis, our favorite stock ideas, and our risk manager in chief, Keith McCullough's macro overlay. Our team of 40 plus equity analysts discuss key market developments, trends, and our high conviction long and short investing ideas. You will not get this granular level of insight anywhere else. A video replay, audio version, and analyst summary notes from the call are available shortly after each live show to ensure you don't miss anything. Go to hedgeye.com forward slash research to subscribe.
and tune in live to The Call weekdays at 7.45 a.m. Eastern. Enjoy the rest of this episode. Very nice, very nice. Appreciate the walkthrough there. Adam, you look... Oh, yeah, Nate. Yeah, just a couple of names to run through real quick. Um, Amazon, I've got uh, Squarely in, in Target for a swing trade higher. So looking actually to break above 134.48 first. Uh, that's the October 12th high. Looking at a pre-market, it's looking a little heavy, not quite able to get above yesterday's high. So first need to get above 133 and targeting 134.48. Um, if we get above there, I think it's going to make a nice run to 142. Um, looking at SoFi at 705 resistance, and I think we're going to continue to see a drop in SoFi. I mentioned that yesterday. Posted in my newsletter this morning. Uh, I, it got, you know, tried to make a run yesterday and rejected hard and sold off all the way below seven. It's now struggling just to get back above that 705 level. So I think it could reject here and uh, continue lower. So looking for that rejection. And then uh, third name I'm looking at, uh, mentioned it at the top of the year. Uh, the call here is DraftKings and looking for a nice bounce here off 2641 support, targeting, getting back to the top of the range above 30, 3032. 30, and that'd be a nice 12% move from where we're at roughly. So looking for that heading into earnings Thursday. Those are the three names I'm really tracking this morning. Sweet. Yeah. And guys, feel free to just kind of hop in whenever today. Go for it, Adam. Yeah, I was just going to say, because I know a lot of people like trading Tesla. Um, Tesla yesterday had its monthly hedge pressure at 195, and it was in a bull zone. Today, you're seeing that even in pre-market, broke a little bit beneath it and came back up, uh, obviously, as we get more liquid as time goes on here past 8 o'clock, and we're testing around that area again. So if monthly hedge pressure opens up again on Tesla at 195, and we're in a bull zone, that's going to be an extremely actionable pivot, especially to the upside. However, in the event if it does break to the downside, it could force a gamma squeeze to the downside. So either way, depending on where Tesla opens up here, currently sitting uh, 195.75, at that 195 level, if that is the same monthly hedge pressure today, which of course it could move, we'll find out at open, uh, that could be an extremely actionable level. So definitely something to keep your eyes on in either direction. Sounds good. Market open coming fast here. ES is bouncing off of VWAP. I'm only holding one contract left. I wouldn't chase the VWAP short off the break. I would look for a retest of VWAP, a break in base, not lower. So watch for these lower highs here. Sounds good. And don't forget, everybody, we have uh, PMI and consumer confidence coming out today. These are going to be big movers. So in reality, I'm not going to do anything super heavy uh, until about 30 minutes in the market, really kind of gauge what happens after those news reports come out. You know, shout out Wolfstock, by the way. I'm flat going into the opening. Mm-hmm. Ticker Wolf up 18.7%. Cool, and we're open. Hop in, anybody, if you're looking at anything here, SPY, curling up a little bit. Yeah, I'm watching SPY calls here. I have a level at uh, 
for 15.77. That was the bottom uh, of my channel, and then the top was 4.17. It just held it perfectly. So I'm watching for it to hold here at open, and then I want to see some strength in the market before I go long, but a break below that, uh, look to go short. Very important level for me on SPY is 4.16.33 currently. Came up and touched that right at the open. That does happen to be the five-day moving average, so uh, keep close on that level. It's important for me. Sounds good. Just looking to see if there's any big movers here. Pinterest also up about 15%. Via Cocoa Water. I guess these are all probably coming off of earnings. All right, got the rocket security data in here for SPY. Hedge pressure at 415 with a bear zone there open underneath the bull zone as well. Bull zone starting yeah. at 416. Uh, so that's going to basically spell a good a, a good idea for a shot for the day unless we bust through this 416 level with that 415 support. Uh, resilience right now positive. Yeah, you nailed it, Adam. It just looks. Matt got cut off for me there. Right now, off of uh, the gap fill and supply, resilience is still strong enough. 40% is looking great. Um, I think the connection was lost by the host. Can you hear me? No, we're still okay, here. Okay, cool, cool. Um, yeah, but really just taking a small kind of seed position. 415 support on SPY is a really strong hedge pressure bounce. Uh, VIX is also opening in a pretty decent spot where uh, any, any loss of volatility could decay it for the day. This could be another quick update on the market, just general, but kind of wait for the news reports to come out. I always like to long on a gap fills and resilience positive, so it's going to be my first entry. It's a small position. I took Tesla 192.50 puts, risking high a day area. These are about 320s. or at 350s now. Very nice. 192.50. Yeah, so I mentioned that five-day moving average. Uh, if you look at Qs, it's the same thing. So, so far this morning, we've come up, tested it, uh, and haven't followed through to the upside. Um yeah, similar to, to what Matt and Adam are talking about. I'm really not looking to, to go long right now. Um, this could be a great place to short off of this five-day moving average. But you got to keep in mind, we do have Fed tomorrow. So, yeah, it might be a do-nothing day for me. Quick move on those puts there, huh? What time does the yes, data sir, come out? Yes, $80 per contract gain on Tesla puts. I sold half of my position. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Sorry, guys. I just had to mute my mic. Burn my dogs out probably really quick. No, you're good. Yeah, I, I was following along with you there, Maple. Nice play there. What time is the data? Is it 10? Uh, 9.45 is PMI. And then there is there is more data at 10. Hold on one second. But 9.45 is Chicago PMI. 10 a.m. is consumer confidence. Yeah, consumer CB consumer confidence. 10.30 is Dallas Fed Services Revenue and Texas Services Sector Outlook. IWM, really strong candle here at the open, approaching that 164 area. Hughes is taking a beating. Spy taking a beating. Yeah, Rez got a beer on Spy and NQ. It's positive on Russell still, but just be careful in tech. 
Yeah, I actually just bailed on my long one resilience is negative. So I'm just going to wait till hedge pressure tap on the, the catalyst if we get, or the event if we get one. So I'm going to sit out for a little bit. Um, took like no loss on that trade, like eight bucks. It looked good at the open, though. I was, I was excited. Sorry, I'm short on NQ. Yeah, I like that it's breaking uh, yesterday's VWAP. This is another opportunity to scale out if you took Tesla puts with us. Back at the resistance on the options contract chart. I'm looking for previous day low and pre-market low, 194 demand. Yeah, looking across the board here, IWM is where the strength is in the indexes. Uh, tech is definitely showing its weakness. Negative 50 resilience right now. Spy resilience, negative 15, while the Russell resilience is positive 70. So definitely anyone, keep an eye on Russell. Did anyone take Spy short? No, I took these. Spy short looks good here. I was debating it. I just don't want to chase the VWAP break on ES. I really should wait for like a retracement. But I'm in these Tesla shorts, so. These are looking great. There we go. We're up $100 per contract on Tesla. I sold a quarter. Great move. Those uh, NQ shorts are paying. I like the decisiveness. What are those cons up to? Like 405? Oh, I see B trades. Yeah, I just trimmed half there. The other half is out of my entry. I mean, every time I tried to join one of your spaces, y'all shut it down and create a new one like you're trying to dodge me. And I don't appreciate that shit. Shit, he found us. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, what's up, B? Good, good morning, morning good morning. I feel like a bully. I'm picking on pins. Picking on Pinterest. Wasn't pins up big? Was under twenty oh. under twenty seven fifty. We get the full gap fill. Okay, are you in contracts? Yeah, man, just got some. He's got some cheapies playing around, messing around with it. weeklies. What, like twenty sevens uh, or lower twenty seven, twenty six. I think. I mean, I really think we get the full gap fill, um, but we'll see. They're cheap as hell, man. Yep, you know. Yeah, I don't mind it. But twenty seven fifty for me is like the notch on the way up kinda. And that's that's what if that clears that, we're going back to about twenty fives. And I saw all these if you took Nasdaq short trim. So I saw a bunch of unusual call buys yesterday on Pinterest, which normally doesn't get that many, you know, contract uh action. And uh you, you just knew right off the gate, you know, those people are going to close right out as soon as they can. Because um, they're for this Friday, right? So they're going to take their 200 yeah. or percent or whatever it is and call it a day. I think you got some fresh uh, three-month lows here on Tesla. NVIDIA also just dropped below $1 trillion market cap for the first time since June. Tesla, Tesla, um, 
Yeah, we're in that demand here on Tesla, the previous day low and pre-market low. If you haven't scaled already, you should. We're up over $110 per contract right now. We're still aiming for these yeah, to go into money. Oh, yeah, look at this candle. Is Tesla going to hit 160 I mean, that's like the spot I see, man. Dude, I needed some long terms, bro. That would be a good spot to go long, for sure. Yeah, because, like, what is that, pre-split? That's, like, four... 70 it's right? the sec yeah it's the second best time in the last five years the second best price in the last five years to get the first one was obviously at 102 or whatever it was back in january you know no doubt man zooming out on the daily here looking at nasdaq this uh <laughs> If we get any sort of bad news today or tomorrow, I think this is just setting up as a as a bigger bear flag uh, for some more downside, which would align with Rocket Scooter's monthly maps. So, yeah, definitely keep an open mind here. Yeah, yeah definitely just, we see pivot lower highs, lower low in the daily. So we're definitely in a bearish environment. Buddy, everybody was fired up yesterday. All the bulls were fired up. This is the bottom. You can tell. Look at this. Look at this. <laughs> oh, shit. Here oh, we go. <laughs> we're so much better off as traders if we would react to the market rather than predict the market, right? Like, there's so many, like, CNBC wannabe telecasters out there that is just as comical. Yeah, speaking of rocket scooter there, we just came down to hedge pressure and we did that fast. So shout out to anyone that took that short on the way down to 415. That's what I was looking at once we broke the close from yesterday. It was about 58 cents to go and it just made that move real quick. Also, usually we chop a little. Um, don't forget at 10 a.m. we have consumer confidence and 945 in five minutes we have Chicago PMI. So just be mindful of that. Four and a half minutes for Chicago PMI. Well, I'm a consumer and I'm not very confident. How's that? <laughs> Big facts, bro. Like, I went to Disney the other day and like it was seven dollars and like twenty cents for a Coke, bro. Bad times. Bad yeah. times. Pinterest with the twenty eight break. Price. Let's go. The real question is, did you buy the Coke? Well, I had clicked the water and I was like, it said five bucks. So I was like, okay. So I scanned my card and then I clicked the Coke and I was like, I just in shock. Like I, I, my, I don't know. I had like a numbing feeling, bro. Cause I, you could buy a whole six pack for seven bucks. Full of Disney. Nice. Here's a 13% on those pins. Let's think I'm going to add more. I like that play. Nick or uh, I'm sorry, yet uh, Adam, have have you guys seen any change in the monthly map so far this week? Yeah, that's something I, I was just about to bring up, so I was just pulling it up and reviewing it. But no, unfortunately, uh, if you're a bull, the monthly maps aren't looking great. Uh, like I said before, the market opened, bulls have been fleeing their positions for the first time we've seen this last week. Basically, has been consistent, but that was the first time we've seen all year. And we're still seeing those signs of bull liquidation for the next roughly two weeks, uh, with the exception of this Friday here. Um, but yeah, we're looking at bull liquidation across the board. 
Also, to be fair, there's a little bit of bear liquidation, but it's no, nowhere near as steep. So what that tells me in the next five days that the market's pricing in some level of a volatile event, which is why I'm in put credit spreads on UVXY to uh, short theta long volatility. Um, and obviously we have FOMC tomorrow, so that would probably spell the, the tail of the tape there on the market pricing in some level of volatility. But yeah, it's looking like across the board, especially on SPY, the bulls are looking to flee their positions at the moment. Uh, to be fair, though, if you want a little bit more of a bullish context on the queues, tech is actually bullish, comparatively speaking, um, than SPY. But SPY is going to capture most of the market sentiment there, so not looking too trustworthy. Personally, I'd be very cautious in any swings unless you're buying enough time to, to hedge for that potential downside. Appreciate that insight, man. And uh, those who are following along, uh, Spy is hanging out at 415, which happens to be Rocket Scooter's uh, very own hedge pressure level. So uh, probably some sort of significance there at that level. Yeah, this is the pre-market low on Spy. So you have the session low from Globex, or at least after 4 a.m., 414.48 is a pre-market low. We do have data in like a minute and a half. I would be a little cautious trying to, you know, time reversals right now unless we have that confirmation, like a tweezer bottom. It's also your 10-minute 200 EMA. Um, I'd be waiting and patient for that break in base or the retest of VWAP after breaking it on our futures here. Ooh. Can you guys hear me now? Yeah, I got you. I hear you. Yep. Oh, my bad. This freaking mic. New spot. Um Western Digital never triggered um, short looking actually long here. I'm not going to touch that. I, was there anything on Meta, Evan? Nothing was like a, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, NVIDIA short triggered. I got 390s at four and change. They're sitting just over seven right now. Um, looks continuation. Tesla kind of fighting. Uh, that's where I'm at right now. But um, yeah, 414.45 is going to be my downside target on SPY. Qs look like they're triggering again for continuation. Uh, trendy, trendy day any lower here to the downside. <clears throat> uh, I haven't heard anyone say this, but happy Halloween, guys. Oh, yeah. Happy oh, Halloween. Yeah. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Those shorts really were nice. The spooky what markets. Minks, I hope I hope you held for more than eight. Oh, of course. I've got. I've already traded uh, like eight accounts, so I'm good. P, my data is out. Let's see. Uh, 44 versus the 45.4 expected. Okay. A little lower. Yeah. Let's see what the market takes of that. Hi, I'm Keith McCullough, and I wanted to introduce you to my favorite product at Hedgeye, the Macro Show. Why is it my favorite product? Well, it's my show. I do that every morning. If you want to get ready for the market day, you want to contextualize all the data, you want to make good decisions, then this is what you should be watching. It's a repeatable process that you can deliberately study. Measuring and mapping 
time series to time series of data. So it's not going headline to headline and getting whipped around. It's actually being so much more dispassionate about it and making good decisions that are data-driven. So we'd love to have you on our team. Come join us. Tune in weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern and on demand anytime. Go to hedgeye.com slash research to subscribe. Doesn't seem like much. Yeah, not too terrible. Yeah, kind of coming in neutral there. Here. Solid green trade. Ooh, Tesla is trying to trigger long here, actually. Let's see. The consumer Anything confidence over or might be. I closed out my short prior to the report, by the way. Honestly, I don't think the market's going to move until the CB report comes out in 13 minutes. That's kind of going to be the bigger mover, I think. B, B trades, are you staying in that pin short? I'm getting stopped out here. Yeah, I'm right around my entry right here. If it started closing above, you know, 29s, like after 10 a.m., then I would cut. But. Would love to see spy hold hedge pressure and we get a bounce above the five day today. That would definitely get me long. Yeah, I, I honestly just think this is probably a little, ends up being a lower high. I agree with you there, man. So if I pushing. I went at like earlier today, I went just put a very small position off of S&P futures on S&P hedge pressure tap, but just a small R&R play. I could probably get a point or two on this uh, spy move if we get a good report. I usually don't play into events, but I mean, it's a nice tight liquid range today. I think that, you know, market's not going to pick a wide direction, you know, pre-FOMC. So I think I get a chance to play some volatility. If I get, a, if I get 10 or 15 points to S&P, I'll just cash out a grand or two. Couple of pieces of the market running. Always fun to see that cocoa water. Yeah, we're not getting a move here on Q's over 347.50, a level I posted earlier. It's just trapping around here. It seems like a, a little weak bound, so I'd probably look to see if it could be shorted. By the way, well, Vita Coco did have uh, earnings this morning. That's why it's getting that movement. Yeah, that makes sense. I figured there were a few earnings plays. What's up with CELH? Gotta chill out. Come back to the upside. What's up, Shark? Hey, good morning. What's going on? Long Tesla. Uh, yeah, I'm actually just looking at Tesla, speaking of which. <laughs> Adam, are you just taking comments there? Or are you taking uh, options? I took 207.5s on a little bit of pump here at 5%. Um, looking for an IV pump. Uh, right now, res is negative on NASDAQ, so looking at Apple and other tech names, if they can recover here, and if Tesla can hold around the AEMA, and break this uh, high a day here could get a nice pop. So looking mainly for an IV pump on these contracts being out of the money. 
not looking to go in the money or anything, but getting a nice green candle on a high a day break with the res flipping positive. If that happens, news in 11 minutes, so it's a little ballsy, but uh, I like the risk here. Got it. So Tesla right now has completely reversed back to the upside off that data. Spy though, kind of trending a little bit lower here. Were you all out of Tesla Maple? Yeah, I got all out at three bucks. So I, on the quarter position, I lost like 20, 25, but on the three fourths, I made about 90. So that's a yeah, that was really one nice. to three, three oh. and a half risk reward. I'm still in Wolfie. You're in Tesla short? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I see the long, but I just want to wait. I need a, a couple candle closes um, to cover. Gotcha. What's the data that's coming out that you're waiting for, Matt? Uh, CV confident consumer, uh, Chicago board consumer confidence. Uh, in about ten minutes. Looking at looking at Disney, kind of hovering around this eighty dollar level. Yeah, spy trigger short again. Yeah, I took fourteen puts, risking ten minute candle by candle. I'm risking like ten ish cents, fifteen cents right here. Small risk. Yeah, any lower keys trigger also again. <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe I should have waited, but I mean. Or break even right now. We'll see if it plays out. But I, I'll risk 10 cents on this. 10, 15 cents. For sure. Chart says go, Mapes. Hey, look at that. That's all I know. Go. A little poppy. I don't know. Let's see. See if I can get 10%. Yeah, right there. I'm going to scale half at 10%. This is struggling with a 199 supply. This is a supply from yesterday right before the close. Also, 5-minute 200 EMA. I think you'll be okay. Paper on your put. This just looks like a good uh, fake-out breakout. Well, yeah, that's a hard trigger. Oh, man. I don't know. It's five, it's, this is your downside target. Free market loves on SPY for the most part. Uh, Qs are triggering for a trend day to the downside. Yeah, I, I, I mean, guess you can wait. You can wait for fine. consumer confidence. Yeah. Disney eighties look solid. There you go. There you go. Nice on spy puts right yeah. here. I'm up almost twenty percent. The biggest thing for me, you know, is traders trying to gauge sentiment. You know, I mean, all you have to do is is look at your futures VWAP. Whether you're looking at ES or NQ, prices below VWAP right now, printing lower highs and lower lows. Without a higher low under VWAP, there's no reason for me to trade long right now and that's just my perspective doesn't mean that's the perspective that that is right all of the time uh but it's paying me so i'll continue to trade alongside that yeah maple i completely agree with you man uh vwap has been a huge impact in my trading and don't let brian shannon hear you call it vwap <laughs> uh he's kind of the i'm sure you know if you if you've studied it but he's kind of the the godfather of the vwap 
Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, you know, I mean, I don't get so caught up in names and stuff, like, VWAP, VWAP, OPEX, OPEX, you know what I mean? We're all here to make money, not a, you know, spelling bee. 100%, man. But for sure, no, I, I mean, it, it's great. Um, very simplistic tool. As long as you understand pivot points, uh, you can, you know, gather alongside the trend. Like, I know right there, like on SPY, like a lot of traders, newer traders probably try to go long because they saw the drop and they thought, oh, this has dropped enough. It's got to push up. But as we all know, you guys are experienced traders if you're up here speaking. Low can go lower and high can go higher. Don't try to reverse things without confirmation. Yeah, when I was uh, first introduced to Rocket Scooter, I was, to be honest, I was a little um, hesitant because I've been trading for quite a while and I've got a system that works for me. And why would I, why would I change anything, right? Um, so, you know, of course, I tinker around with things and I immediately saw the immense value that the team at Rocket Scooter was providing to traders. Uh, and so incorporating that into my daily trading level. definitely improved my trading. And uh, what I really use it for is I use it for alignment with how I would typically trade. And the simplest thing that I use is bull and bear zones. That's going to help me determine if I want to be long or short. And then also the hedge pressure. I think the hedge pressure is probably my number one uh, tool that I use with Rocket Scooter. Use that. Oh, okay. So that is interesting. Yeah. Okay. Blake, I don't think GNOTS can hear you. <laughs> is my assumption. Oh, sorry. Uh, I didn't even know I was muted. I mean, unmuted. Oh, you're good. Sorry, Blake. If you want to finish up, I just I just didn't think you could hear you. Yeah, no. It's uh, I just wanted to say using uh, Rocket Scooter's platform in conjunction with how I already trade is is super powerful. I think using the the VWAP like I'm you know used to trading with, uh, and also adding in hedge pressure and bull and bear zones. Man, it's it's tough to beat. It really is tough to beat. And and Gob, I know you know I love it, man. I I sent you a text uh, last week. I was like VWAP plus hedge pressure is undefeated. Right. And going back on my point, like I don't want anyone to think like, oh, you know, he's only short bias under VWAP. It doesn't mean that there can't, or, you know, bullish moves can't occur under VWAP, but I'm talking about timing. And, and this is just aside from everything you're saying, but sorry, but, you know, um, my trade could totally get stopped out, right? Like we could have a retracement to the EMAs, which would be probably a better short uh, kind of area. But, you know, just try to put yourself in high probability situations rather than, you know, like, hey, I'm going to arbitrarily trade a reversal here because this is pushed too much, too low in my perspective or in my kind of thought process, which markets can stay irrational longer than any trader can stay solvent. Yo, Blake, sorry about that before. I actually didn't know I was on mute. That's yeah, great analysis. And you also have to know that you know markets tend to especially when you have big events coming up especially fomc tomorrow's gonna be probably the biggest news day we've had in months i mean so many things are piling up uh tomorrow it's not just fomc but it's a couple other things uh i think we have like yeah ism jolts like is that all of that's coming out tomorrow jolts usually aren't those on normally thursdays i think but i think well we have this little thing matt uh tomorrow it's like uh, i think it's fomc rate decision or something like heard that. about that heard about this yeah it might be it might be a thing i don't really know Ugh. hard to say and then there's this other one on friday called like non-farm payrolls i think that's i don't know they say it's a big deal too so, yeah, yeah. What are they, maybe, what are they maybe apple earnings thursday could be a market moving event i don't know 
you know, all kinds of shenanigans going <laughs> on <for laughs> this week. Goodness gracious. You might be on, you might be on, you might be on something there. It's possible. Be, it's possible. Possible. B-Trades, you know so Pfizer cool. is just a, a dumpy stock. <laughs> yeah, uh, it can. It, it has been known to be. You guys, and you all know just like in general, right, when when you have big events lined up, markets, especially when volatility is high, which it's getting higher, um, markets don't tend to pick directions uh, leading into these events. Like days like today typically try to stay ranged. That's why like sometimes it'll be a little more of a maverick and try to take place. Uh, you know, just to play the volatility. I'm not betting on the market collapsing and the market rallying. Uh, I'm betting on playing the range, like, you know, lower highs, higher lows, but kind of zigzagging down. Uh, that's why, like, you know, market fell really quick at the open. I'm just feeling a little long to catch the pop on the event. And that's basically, it. you know, environments like this, especially your day trading, everyone has to just kind of know that these aren't going to be days where the market likely picks a major direction and then flies and surprises everybody before Fed. Usually the bigger events and take center stage in earnings as well. It tends to keep the market a little stable. So we'll see. Doubled on my long here at uh, 14 and a half S&P, which is about 4172 uh, S&P futures. So we'll see if I get a quickie little pop. I'm looking for like a 4190 run. So 10 15 points if I get it. We've literally uh, two minutes. Two minutes. Yeah, we got data in two minutes. We've literally gone level to level on queues and we just bounced at that 345, uh, 346, I'm, I'm going 65 level. Same thing with IWM, hit 164, rejected, came all the way down, bouncing, getting a double bottom for 163. So just trapped between levels, but um, I am. Uh, an IWM upside here, just going into the data. Watch Tesla high day here. There she goes. Still pretty close to 415. Done in 20 seconds. 15, 14. And should be here soon. You want it? You got it? I want it. Uh, CB uh, Chicago board <laughs> confidence coming at 102.6 versus 100 consensus, so slightly higher against the 104.3 previous. Very, very nice number on that one. We haven't moved much yet. Dumpy time? Yeah, it'll still look short. I mean, so below 414.45. It is a short, again, trend short. Um, cues are not triggering long at all. Uh, cues would have to get over 437, call it 60 for me to go long, but it's a very small long up to like, did I say one for It'd be over 347.60, would be long up to 348.50, like a dollar. <clears throat> 
So like 102 is good. It's above 100, but it, it has last time it was one. It's been higher than that. So it's the, deteriorating from what it has been. 102 the last time it was at high was about May of this year. So while it is um, good, it's not as good as it was last couple of prints. Um, so we'll see how Mark responds. So it looks like there's just a quickie little downside. I think that uh, Mark's going to try to sell off, and it fails to drop, especially on S&P's 4170 level holds, which is about 415.5 on SPY. I think that the market's going to try to revert to mean, at least in the middle of the day, so we'll see. Yeah, 413.67 is my downside target here. I, I This is a trigger short speed, um, at least in, in the in the near term. Would have to be a stopover of I don't know uh, what four fourteen sixty eight. Kind of wiki. Watching Meta kind of bang its head up against three hundred again after getting a little flushy. I'm gonna see if it rejects. I might take that short to two ninety five. We're kind of sitting on orb low right here, 30-minute orb. Um, yeah, it's pre-market lows here. Yeah, I keep going back and forth. I see that confluence. That's what I'm saying. They're building off of that. Um, I wonder if they hold 417 calls, options, con options, contract support low, 30 cents. I could base risk off of that, but they could easily practice potential higher low, which... We'll just negate the trade entirely and go against what I was saying. So yeah, I cut my hands for a moment. I cut my Tesla longs at seven percent. Res is negative across the board. Uh, Buy res negative fifty-two, and Nasdaq res negative seventy-four. And now Russell res is about to go negative. So that tells me the entire market doesn't want to go higher at the moment. So being in longs is more risk than it's worth at the moment. Yeah, I agree. Good points. It's by trying to go lower. Nate, have you taken anything since DraftKings? No, got the nice bounce though, right at that twenty six forty one level for DraftKings, which is really nice to see. I'm looking for that to hold up here. If it can actually hold above twenty six sixty, might add um, to that position. And uh, didn't didn't short SoFi. It just completely took off this morning, so missed that. Uh, but I mean, it's looking strong. So uh, we'll see what what happens there. I'm I'm staring at Spy here. It's just not wanting to. I mean, it looks like it's testing, trying to push lower, but got some support here at that 414, 30-ish level. So looking for that to break. It might get it right now as I'm talking, actually. Sometimes I have that effect on markets. Yeah, there we go. 414, 30 just broke. Yeah. So we might be moving low. <laughs> All you. Yeah, we got some fresh lows here in SPY. Still stupid. trying. My stupid mic keeps muting itself. I don't know how to do that. 
and do that. Um, meta meta short here looks like a decent entry on a on a pullback. Well, it is a pullback, so bounce up to like three, just under three hundred one. Uh, anything under three hundred, I I think we short back to two nineties. Um, but we'll see. I'm in. I just grabbed a starter on a two ninety put for meta, just under one forty. Disney looks like it's not going to hold either this 80 level. Nvidia little bounce um rejecting 399 that that looks like a hold short or possibly entry if you're not There's short. some Tesla 19250 puts risking high day area. <laughs> I see a tweezer top and a 10 minute hanging man. Oh, that meta is just going. Sorry. Let's see. Needs to break below this VWAP. Um, yeah, spy confirming short for me too. Mapes. Mapes. I mean, yeah, it's like I, I just wanted to protect also. myself into data. You know, I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. I mean, I'm so big green on the day, but Apple's got a lot of relative weakness as well today. It's almost down one percent. <gasps> It's on like Sharky for a second. Was that Sharky? What's up, buddy? What's up, buddy? Oh, Western Dig. I forgot to. I have that on a different screen. So bounced up over 200. Um, filling a fair value gap. Might be an even better entry. What am I looking at? Uh, I think 40s are good. I just posted on my timeline uh, updated Tesla chart level that I'm looking for in the next hour today. If people want to go ahead and check that out, it's the last post on my timeline. Nailed the first Tesla one. Ooh, bouncy. So heads up if you're short, UVXY just broke hedge pressure to the downside and in the bear zone. So if it does continue lower here, the market's more prone to push to the upside. And that's probably what you're seeing on SPY here right now. It kind of looks like news candle Did we get anything just now, Evan? No, I think it was just just technical. No, I'm not seeing anything. Yeah, that, that orb low pre-market low is holding. So they're building that bid. But like I said, we broke VWAP on our futures. We haven't seen a base or a retracement. Probably, yeah, I'm just going to get stopped out of these Tesla puts right here. Um, but I'd still be looking short within these EMAs on our futures. This pop could kind of give false hope under VWAP without a higher low. Could be almost perfect rejection on VWAP right there on SPY. Yeah, I might hit a short here on futures against this oh, yeah? 82. Let's see. Yep, against VWAP. This would be my stop here on Meta if it goes any higher. This is starting to look like a reversal to me. Possible. Like long style. Tesla yeah. trying to get up to that 250 cents away. 
I think spy may be over four fifteen forty or something like that. Give or take. Um, or below on spy, I have like four fifteen sixty. So like that would be a rejection spot, um, or an upside target. Any higher? I mean, it's a small little one. It's a little fair value too from this morning. It was a pretty quick sell off early. Looks like we had a uh, volatility semi long starting to take off right now. Um, that's a great play. Uh, I'm in this. I'm doing this 5k to 100k trading challenge, so I'm up 100% already in the first two weeks. Thank you, thank you. But um, scalping and being careful leading the Fed um, is what I'm doing. Uh, normally, typically markets don't, like I said earlier this morning, when volatility is not really high, you're not going to see big sweeping moves leading into major events like Fed. It's not going to have a big crash day, a big rally day. It's going to love reverting from the hug in the middle because we also have earnings at the same time. So as I'm talking, my long's taking off. I think I'm up like five, six, seven hundred bucks right now. Let me go ahead and just take that. All right, profit. There you go. Done. Out. Easy peasy. Now I'm curious what uh, got you long because looking at my charts and also Rocket Scooter, there's nothing obvious to me to to go long. Nothing. So um, here's a couple of rules. Normally, you open in bull zone you tend to stay in a bull zone more often than not. We fell from bull to bear zone and spy. That's kind of break number one. Then we broke hedge first or break number two. As I said before, like leading in major events, markets don't just crash on their own face and fall out. Usually you're going to see dealers sweep the board and just revert back to mean almost all the time. Like we we have major earnings, FOMC, jolts tomorrow. This is going to be this be like the, the busiest news day that we've had like all year. And so you can expect that the market, I bought on hedge pressure, then I added on an overshoot and just hold, held on to it. Now we just pop back to the, uh, to the close price and I just trim, just close all of it out, reverting to mean. You will not normally see big green days or big red days. So when I actually told in, in chat today that everyone typed the word coin flip because that's basically what I'm doing. I have no signal to stay long, no signal to stay short. I'm just betting on a greater market's likely to revert more to me rather than to sell off a rally. So I usually wait for extremes leading up in the big events, like an unusual thing. Bull zone and bear zone is unusual. Breaking hedge is unusual. And then I set a stop one point below, which is 4.14. I drew it on my stream. And then I said, I'm just going to get in and trade it right back up to 4.15, 4.16 and close it. And it's just a set it and forget it trade. It's just a revert to me. It's, I'm not betting it's going to break out a rally. I'm not betting on anything. So other than that, normally I just bet on leading into major events you tend to just you know play extremes and run to the middle and i just like to scout from one side to the other and not really take a direction scaled more iwm calls so, on the strength that makes sense yeah we didn't have like a clear signal today to do anything normally what you do in these meaner versions is you, you would sit out and then you wouldn't play an event either these are the things we teach and so i told everybody today like like i'm, I'm doing something called a coin flip everyone Take, don't don't follow me don't do anything i'm doing but it tends to work more often than not. And if risk management is controlled, you know, you don't really, you know exactly how much you're going to lose, how much you're going to win. It's just as long as you commit to the trade and set up risk management, you, know, you can't really go wrong buying or selling anywhere, really. Yeah, I really appreciate that insight, man. Uh, not how I trade, but uh, that's that's why I'm here, to, to learn. So appreciate that. All right, I'm out half of my longs here on IWN. 
All right, so a couple lungs. things to note. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Neves. I was going to say the level that I um, gave you guys earlier, um, the 14.318, we came down to that close to it multiple times on NQ and um, went up from there. So now we're rejecting. Yeah, and I just wanted. Wind. I just wanted to add that level I threw out at the beginning of the, the trading day was the five-day moving average. It's like my golden moving average for short-term trading. 416.18 on SPY. We're, we're getting really close to that level again. So, um, yeah, definitely keep an open mind around here. Got you. I tried a short at... Um... Forty-one eighty-eight fifty. Hey, just a heads up on spy. That four sixteen starts the bull zone, so that's going to act as a resistance if it breaks into there. Though, when res goes positive, then you're going to have a nice little rally to the upside. Right now, res is still negative on all three except Russell, which is positive ten. Yeah, I'm scaling more IWM here. My next target upside is going to be one sixty-four above 164 i'm going to leave a quarter position for that break to see if it can trend higher today and i'll just leave those for runners and let those get paid if the upside continues on iwm after this but really like the uh the bottom wicks and those candles down there at the 163 area it was big support there so no better risk to reward for longs than buying down there at the bottom you want to buy on the dips and the red candles you don't want to chase it on big green candles like this you want to be in before the move that's the key for this so really nice pop here on iwm nice tesla trickling back down here a little bit back under 200 it had broken it for a second there. The spice look pretty supportive though. Uh, is that the news that pushed Tesla, Evan? No, no, no. Was that already out? Yeah, it was already out. I think it's really just the psych level around 200. We have a pivot point at 1439742. Don't think that we've mentioned this, but if you're in here today, definitely give all the panelists a follow if you're enjoying the conversation, taking some of the trades, especially if you make some money, here's something nice, definitely give them a follow. Some really great panelists today and some people we don't always get to trade with, so I do like running it. Here we go. IWM testing hive day. About to make another trim here on this strength. This was an amazing freaking trade. Absolutely paying. And here it is. I'm taking a scale on IWM, leaving a quarter position to see if it breaks above 164 today. I'll let those runners work. Yeah, you got Spy right now over the 416 level. Res is still negative, but it's only down negative. 12 so if this thing pops over zero then you could see a nice push to the upside here assuming spy is still greater than 416 yeah end up my five day right now so uh things are looking better
Yeah, let's just see if this isn't just a lower um, high from the uh, Globex highs. Certainly could be. We're at the, the level that makes sense to show resistance. DraftKings absolutely exploding in up above 27 now. Nice move on the day. Wow. I think we're going to see more of it this week. Yeah, big move there. Are you just in commons or did you take any options too? Just in commons. Just in commons. I should have took options. You know, hindsight is everything. Yeah. Well, if the idea is I'm in these, in these comments now, I'm going to be well in the green. And so with the implied volatility juicing, uh, if I hold a position, sell some covered calls heading into uh, into earnings. But I'm pretty positive on DraftKings here, so I don't think I'll sell. I don't think I'll cover the entire position. And if I do, it'll be pretty far out of the money, maybe selling at like the 32 strike. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how the rest of the week goes, but it's a good start. IWM new hive day. I'm up 32 percent on these 165 calls for next week. So just make sure you're scaling it to strength here on IWM. Yeah, really nice play there. You kind of came with that first first thing that was talked about on the space. Yes, sir. Um, that was my top. Well, I haven't even, I mean, I clicked back over to spy and cues every now and then, to be honest with you, but I didn't let IWM chart uh, leave my screen. I've been watching it like so a high 414 <laughs> orb high area. Same. Uh, 414's in at 45. Let's drop it down, baby. Look at that, Mapes. Yeah, it's starting to look like a lower high for sure. Here, here we go. Still in meta. Short. I'm back to break even here. <clears throat> I really need to see Spy get, well, Maple and I both really need to see Spy break below that lower orb, 415.58, though, to be able to hold this. Otherwise, that's like safety trim level. Yeah, for me, I see, like, I should have taken this pause. I, I think I just got scared out of them earlier off the 417. That was off super fast. Yeah. But um, if they hold this orb high supply, you know, I have orb rules. Normally, we see a retest of VWAP. That would be a major target for me. And then orb low, uh, low of day, like uh, Paper's talking about. The risk is still there. I'm not, you know, there's nothing's guaranteed, but... I like the risk reward off of orb high here. I need to see like a tweezer close or a bearish engulfing candle in the five minute. Were y'all saying uh, Tesla had news? Or there was some stuff, but apparently it wasn't kind of timed with this big move necessarily. This was just part of the market. Oh, I got you. Did pop? That's for sure. Pin's still going after its ER, almost up twenty percent now. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. That's why I keep those little penny penny contracts plays small. <laughs> <laughs> I know you guys are short the uh, spy, but uh, yeah, the more it stays here, the more I think we're going to break out. Yeah, no, we. I, I don't think either one of us disagree. We're just looking both. I know what Maple's looking at. He's I. Seems like he's trading a similar system to mine, if not the exact same. But uh, yeah, we just trade risk to reward market. Yeah, uh, our stop. It's like a one to five R here, um, being short with a stop at like four sixteen thirty seven, um, and a and an ultimate target at that four fourteen fifty max, really. And then I mean, maybe if we get lucky, we'll hold runners. But our stop is l like less than fifty cents here. Thanks. You been taking anything else? Sorry, no. <laughs> I had the level at the fourteen three one eight, and I didn't take that long just because we were um, the new the data was coming out, and then I missed my entry. So, um, but I did short a little bit off of the fourteen three ninety seven earlier. Um, for a scalp and then just waiting for your re-entry if we can hold around here to take a long so um i'm short 347 puts sorry max that's okay i did post my um chart so you guys can kind of see how pretty it is Yeah, so 347 puts on QQQ, hanging man on the three minute. Also have that resistance above 348, 90, 349, let's just say. Um, looking for first target, 348.45, 348.50. That's where I'd trim and set my stop at break even. This is just really, really setting up as like an inside choppy kind of day. Yeah, it's very choppy. Oh, I think we, we have that trigger already. <laughs> Beat trades. <laughs> Anytime we reclaim an orb, yeah, you're 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 looking chop, most likely. Watching here to see how it closes. For me, you know, for me on spy is four fifteen fifty nine. So above that we have, you know, obviously a chance to go higher. And if we start getting closes below that, then we'll probably retest, you know, the four fourteens. And that's about it, man, for for me. On the last quarter position of IWM, I moved my stops to picture break from my stream. So before the move and after the move, it just kind of drew um, what I was talking about earlier. So normally, and this is kind of why trade, you know, trading into events or before events usually are kind of you know really coin flippy. Normally, what you expect, and this is kind of a rule of thumb, those of you, when you trade into any event or news event. If there's a price before the event, pick an example, S&P 4180, and then CB Consumer Confidence comes out, you dip and return right to 4180. You can almost draw a line the moment before the event happens of where the price is. And if price moves away from it and immediately touches it, comes right back to it at any point, the event is no longer pricing into the market. We call it the efficient market hypothesis. It means that all stuff is effectively priced in ahead of time. The sum of all knowledge and all information, all entire trading, whatever, prices stuff in already. So that consumer confidence number within 10 minutes, right, 
market dipped and then rallied right back up and tapped where we started. And so you just kind of scratch it from the record like it's no longer pricing the market. So right now people could say, well, we're probably rallying on consumer confidence. But in reality, what's actually happening is the market's probably squeezing for Fed. The immediate time you wipe one of these events off for the record, you price it in, right? Prove that it's priced in. The market's always looking ahead to the next event. So right now, we're just reverting to mean, leading to FOMC. And that's really what's happening right now. And I literally drew the exact move that happened just because all morning I heard me say I'm going to take a long bet to a little quick pop and get out of the way because markets like to revert to me leading to FOMC. I actually was telling you I thought consumer confidence was going to be a non-event and we immediately would squeeze in the Fed. Like try to be three or four steps ahead in your trading, knowing that you're always looking forward to the next event. Tomorrow's going to be a huge news day. Why would today crash the market leading into tomorrow, right? So these are like little little things. And not every single day is traded the same way. Like if you wake up and use your indicators, your indicator set the same way every day, markets can have different types of days to trade. This is one of those types of days. And we, we call them coin flip days. You know the market's not going to crash. You know it's not going to rally. You just take an extreme play back to middle. And it's a very common thing that happens before events because of this whole efficient market hypothesis. Pretty much markets sitting where it was where we were trading overnight. We're kind of back to where we started. And it's just a little pre-FOMC squeezing, right? And so days like this, you just adopt the idea that it's not going to be a big rally or a big sell-off. So I'm not jumping in buying like directional puts and calls and not tr jumping in trading and staying in all day. Once I got the pop, I closed out. Done for the day. 20 minutes I was in that trade. 20, 30 minutes I'm in that trade. I'm done. And I don't want to touch the market for the real, rest real of the quick, day. Real quick, Mapes and I are probably trimming up. Uh, those spy puts real quick at, at Orbital. Yeah, I'm looking for Safety 20%. I, I'm like a few cents yeah. off. They're holding that like 50 cent ass. But I just trimmed we'll these as well. I think I'm going to get it. Tesla's the short right here. Yeah, I see that. 200 EMA. Brother, I think you're good. Yeah, target one hit on cues for my puts. I trimmed here. Set yeah, stop. I don't know. Uh, I need scale too. If paper and knots are scaling, I need to scale. It's a safety trim. Uh, I because we need to see it break below that 415. Um, if not, that could be like where we get into the chop zone between that orb high and low. Uh, and I don't want to I don't want to sit in like a decay spot if that makes sense because I do have like a, a very high probability of a, a neutral day today. Heads up, we got a few more minutes of trading here, and then actually hedge eye. The research firm is going to be joining us, I believe, in a few minutes here. Uh, talk through a couple of their favorite stocks right now. Just wanted to give note. I also see people taking profit on some of these uh, uranium plays. Um, do you? I don't know how long your uh, Spooktober is running, but I assume today's last day of October. Did you want to give a quick Ooh. minute on that? Oh, yeah, paper. Oh no, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, uh, today is the last day of October, so today would be the last day of the the sale. So yeah, if you're interested in checking out Rocket Scooter for your first month, uh, head over to the Rocket Scooter profile. It's twenty bucks first month. Give it a shot. See what you think. Uh, no real commitment past that point. If you don't want to, there's also another deal, and you can sign up at the top there. Uh, for $35 for each month for your first three months if you want more of like a longer-term uh, trial to, to kind of get your feet wet. So two different options for two different promotions. That spooktacular one does end today. So uh, definitely give it a peek if you uh, haven't or if it's something you're interested in. And as Wolf said earlier, if you haven't already, give everyone up here a follow. Lots of great traders up here, so make sure to give them a follow if you haven't. 
And I guess, Matt, if you want to uh, put a nice bow on all this for everyone. Real quick, I just trimmed half my position on spy puts, uh, sold them for 20%, got half left. Same thing here, uh, Maple. I, I trimmed again, and I actually just got stopped on the remaining over. Yeah, yeah, got stopped on the remaining there. So good, good little trade. Yeah, maybe I should have done that safety trim as well, but I didn't. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, I mean it's it's all right. It's just it's just one of those spots, right? Like, be uh, any good trader is probably going to be more concerned with protecting uh, than than what we can. Like we enter when we have our best risk reward. But uh, I'm still short. I'm just you know, mm. I didn't I didn't take as big of a trim. Maybe I should have. We'll see. But uh, this is one yeah. where you want to be cautious. You have to see that continuation structure. Otherwise, we we're all we're all aware that we could be looking at a higher low intraday. Um, we don't really have a full reversal until we're over that 417 to me, pre-market highs. Like that's a full-blown reversal uh, and we could be looking significantly higher. But um, until then, I think we're all just looking for this pullback still. Yeah, my concern is is the VWAP breaking base potential on SPY and NQES. I see like a candle-by-candle candle method playing out, but uh, if it breaks in bases on VWAP, it'll push higher. Perfect, guys. We're right here at 10.30. I see uh, some of the Hedge Eye crew starting to come up. If anyone else wants to shout out anything on their trades, now's a great time. I know also Mikey and Whale have more trading going for the people that do want to see that as well. So a lot of good options across the board here. Maple, pleasure having you on to trade with yeah, us. Yeah, much you've been, love, guys. It was a pleasure. You've been, you've been killing it on Predictogram too, man. I always love watching. Absolutely, absolutely. Shot your text about that as well. Um, cool. Minx, you have anything else? Nope, just thanks for having us. All right, fantastic. Shark, KC, B-Trades, always a pleasure having you guys on as well. Matt, you got any last comments here before we roll into our hedge eye space? No worries. Okay, Andrew, you ready to get going? Or I think we're going to have the hedge eye account and some others pulling up in here too as well, right? Yep, I'm here. Uh, we got Brian, who's... Uh, Working on signing on in a minute, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's go. All right, fantastic. So we did a series a little earlier in the year with Hedgeye, which is a leading investment research firm, and it went spectacularly. A lot of people, I mean, followed their page and wanted to hear more. So we are going to roll right back into it. We have Andrew and Robert up here from the team. So that's looking good. Excited to get into this. So let's start out with talking a little bit about the market. We'll take it from there. But Andrew... What have you been watching in this market currently? The highs and lows. What's appealing to you? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's been nothing but highs and lows, right? I mean it's uh, this earnings season and it's just been pretty difficult, uh, at least relative to last earnings season. Um, you know, just by way of background, I cover communication services, so that's internet, media, cable, telecom. So, you know, I have the luxury or the privilege of covering some of the biggest tech names, but I also see what's happening in other parts of the world, like. Uh, cable telecom, the charters, the stuff that's a little bit less sexy, gets less attention, but it's also, you know, really important in understanding as far as everything else goes. Um, so look, I mean, and I think we might have talked about this when we were uh, in the last spaces, but we've been pretty bullish on digital advertising trends all year long. Um, you know, our horse there has been Meta. 
uh, for most of the year. Uh, we were shorted most of last year. We pivoted long in January, um, and that was, you know, probably you know, one of our more successful calls. Uh, don't get everything right like that, by the way. Just, but it's uh, definitely got that one. Um, and we've been tracking the data, improving. Um, just as budgets got cut last year and things have been on an improving trend so far this year. Um, then we switched sides on Google. Um, and so I, you know, and we're, and we're long Pinterest. So obviously Pinterest up today. Um, so the trends in terms of the ad market improving steadily here continues to be, I think, an important theme as we go into Q4 um, and year end specifically. It's a busy time for advertising. So um, as far as my list goes, I'm still a positive and like the digital ad names. Uh, we're long Roku. <laughs> um, you know, we got long again in the 50s. It's been a, earlier in the year, it's been a wild ride. Um, got earnings this week. I expect a lot of volatility to come from that event, but we're sticking with it. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I guess I can just, you know, leave it at that. Um, outside, other, uh, so I just don't ramble on too much longer. <laughs> yeah, no, that's perfect. Appreciate you starting us out. Let's bring in Robert as well. Robert, want to explain some of what you've been watching in this market and liking? Yeah, hey, Wolf. Um, yeah, do you mind inviting Brian up? Uh, he's uh, yeah, he just has he was, uh, yeah, yeah, no, anybody that wants. Yep. Perfect. He was out in the crowd, but uh, yeah, so he's trying to come up. Um, so we'll get him up as well. He's our uh, sector head for for uh, retail. Uh, so yeah, so we got the the pleasure of this uh, this morning of having Andrew, myself, and and Brian. He'll join us in just a second. Uh, so yes, I mean, listen, like we are big time on. Um, I mean, we, we're seeing kind of what we call you know growth slowing and inflation staying sticky and higher. So that's really kind of the setup that we're seeing for the next. Uh, three quarters. Uh, right now, we're now casting out to uh, Q2 of 2024, uh, what we what we call uh, quad quad three environments. Um, so that's really what we're we're navigating. I mean, we went uh, we went short spy on August 1st of uh, 2023, and that's uh, play, played out really really well so far. Um, kind of in uh, in Q3 here, and and to start uh, or the end of Q3 and to start start Q4. So that's uh, that's the setup. I mean, we're we're I don't know, Wolf. Uh, happy to expand more of that. It's, it's kind of to keep it simple here. Um, that, that's what, really what we're seeing. I mean, earnings season is a lot of fun to navigate. Um, that's one of the key reasons why I wanted to bring up uh, two of our sector heads uh, who, who cover. So Brian covers Amazon. Uh, Andrew covers, as he just mentioned, kind of, you know, pins was last night. Uh, but Google and, and Meta were, were within the last few days um, and, and Netflix as well. So, I mean, we've got a, we're gonna have quite, quite a star-studded uh, research team here uh, coming up. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, so just a quick note to them if they're in the audience and want to join up on stage. You'll want to be on a mobile device, preferably an iPhone. And when you come into the space, there is a button on the bottom left that says request to speak. And then you just tap that and that is how I can bring you up. I I can't uh, bring people up otherwise, but there you go. Now I see Brian requesting up. So we should be good to roll over to him. Brian, good to have you up on stage with us. We'd love to bring you into the mix here. Get your thoughts on this market. Uh, Yeah, hey, thanks for having me on. Um, do you hear me okay? Yep. Great. So, look, as Andrew said, um, with with his sector, you know, it's a little different with my space. I, I, I cover retail, um, and I tell you, retail is just horrible. It's just a horrible space right now. Um, I've got about 75 shorts on my, on my ledger. Um, I've got about 20 longs, and of those longs, half of them are probably shorts. 
Um, expectations out there are just way too high. So now we're in earnings season, which lasts for about six weeks in retail, and you're just having guide down after guide down, left and right. And we all know what happens with stocks when companies guide down. They head lower. Retail is kind of fun because stocks trade at trough multiples on trough earnings and peak multiples on peak earnings. So you get a lot of volatility. There's a lot of pin action. Names always go a lot lower than anybody thinks. And they go a lot higher than anyone thinks, as we saw in the first quarter of 2021 um, when we were long retail. Uh, But now we are squarely short. I'm very, very bearish. I've been doing this for about 30 years, and this is as bared up as I've ever been. So I'm looking for a point I, I can turn and pivot. But until earnings expectations for next year come down by about 30 percent, three zero uh, for retail overall globally, um, I'm going to stay uh, squarely in the bear camp. Interesting. OK, so I want to dig into that talking about being in a bearish in this environment real quick for the audience. Um, Hedgeye is doing something special for our listeners uh, these are pretty premium services, but one of their favorite services of mine is called the Pitch. It's kind of like Shark Tank style. You get basically these 10 free stock ideas and really a front row seat because you basically get to watch these analysts give over the pitch and then essentially hear, okay, well, we like that. We don't like that. Things along those lines. Typically, I mean, this is hundreds of dollars of value, but everybody that's in here, you're going to get it for free if you'd like it. Literally no downside to your portfolio. I put a link in the top of the space. It is straight to the pitch. It takes about one minute, maybe less than that, to actually sign up for it. And I believe the pitch is going to be tomorrow. Um, So it's going to be tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern. So if that's something that you can make, definitely check it out. I believe it might be recorded as well. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it will. Yeah, it will be Wolf. Yeah, so it'll be, um, you know, just 10 analysts, rapid fire, 60 minutes, six minutes each. uh, You know, they'll pitch other longs or shorts. And uh, and yes, this is kind of in November we do really – really beefed up version. Usually it's sort of uh, six analysts in 60 minutes and have a little bit more time to kind of go into some things. Uh, but yeah, the, you can find the replay either on, on the Hedge site or on our YouTube channel. If you can't and make it. And the analysts are going to bring the thunder. Oh yeah, baby. I love it. I love it. So that's super, super fun. Uh, if you can't find it, I always just try to make this easy for people. Just DM me Hedgeye or Stock Pitch. And I will get the link over to you. Again, it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Take advantage of it while it is free, something that they could easily charge for in the future. All right, let's talk uh, with maybe one or two other members of the panel. I want to bring in Shy just to bounce off what some of you guys have explaining. And then I want to dig in with Brian here a little bit further. But Shy, I want to give some thoughts on this market. Yeah, so I'm just going to mimic a little what the hedge guys are saying. Um, I the Consumer-facing stocks have not been interesting to me in the past couple quarters i kind of saw that the recession is going to hit that sector the hardest so earlier this year i started pivoting towards some of my favorite b2b software names because i just think i'm so bullish on the data and cloud thematic that i think it's kind of underappreciated for in a couple years and nobody really knows how generative ai and llms are going to actually create so much data that there's companies going to be drowning in it and they need to figure out how to optimize that and become more efficient and utilizing that for their own businesses. So I think I've been going hard on Snowflake, MongoDB, Datadog, all those top growth SaaS names that I think are going to really capitalize for the after this uh, period where we're focused on inflation, recession. And once we're clear of those, I think these are going to be the real winners. Um, I do want to also... 
I am bullish on ad tech. Encouraging to see that Pinterest showed strong numbers yesterday, especially at following up what Google and Meta and Amazon reported. So I think my heartburn is kind of gone now for Trade Desk, which is one of my top 10 holdings. Only issue I can see is Trade Desk having um, a weak guidance, similar to like how Meta did, just because of the conflict overseas. So uh, I actually added it a, co- um, a couple of percentage points last week, and that was my first ad in TreeDesk in over a year. So uh, it was nice to get my DCA finally in that name, but I'm I'm confident in like my um, in the B two B growth names. I have been buying puts ever since Spy broke four twenty, ever since Arc broke forty, and ever since IWM broke one eighty. I've had puts in them, so luckily those puts have kind of. I've used those funds for these uh, ads. I've done them in names, but it's tricky. It's a tricky time right now. A lot of, uh, a lot of uh, strong earnings, and then they're up double-digit percentages pre-market, and then instantly getting sold off. So I think it's really important to have a decent cash position, some dry powder to capitalize on your favorite names, because doesn't seems like a lot of the names who are reporting amazing, really, really, really strong earnings, they're being sold off just because of the environment. So to capitalize on that well put there shy yeah great great stuff here i'm going to come over to jag and eight in a second but brian i want to dig in with you first talking about what is pushing you towards downside in this market and then specifically where do you see the best opportunities for downside so the consumer is what's pushing me there really when when you think about it i mean so we we see like relatively good retail sales out 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 there. The consumers spending, personal consumption expenditures are up, um, and consumption is about seventy two percent of the economy. But what's happening is the personal savings rate is trending lower. It's currently at cycle lows of three point four percent. Um, and at the same time, installed credit is headed higher. At the same time, interest rates are going to the moon. So if you think about it, the consumers never had more of an incentive to actually take up their personal savings rate, put more money in the market, or put it in cash, really. But that's not what the consumer is doing. The consumer is taking down savings and spending because we're Americans and that's what we do. We'll spend every single cent we have. So you're seeing that at the same time, credit is going up. It's just not healthy. It's a very bearish set up for 2024. Will this holiday be okay? Yeah, probably. We'll see a lot of discounting, so gross margins will be weak. But the consumer will probably show up because that's what we do in America. Um, We lever up and we take down our savings and we spend. But what happens when we're sitting here in the first half of 2024? We're in a recession. People are losing their jobs. They've got no more savings. They're levered up. What happens to spending? You look at sell-side estimates out there, and people like don't know how to model a negative sales number. Everyone is just like positive 2, positive 5, positive 10. Why can't sales next year be down by 2, 3, 5, 10? And that is what I think is going to happen. So you want to know what's got me bared up? That's what's got me bared up. You want to bounce off that, Andrew? Yeah, look, I mean, I think I would you know, agree with what Brian's saying. I mean, I think it's um, 
you know, it's, it's an interesting setup, right? Because it's all about how the market's going to react and price all these dynamics in. Because on the one hand, you know, Brian mentioned how the consumer is currently spending. Um, I would say that that's consistent with, you know, what we're seeing in the advertising space, especially after a year like last year, which was just an unmitigated disaster um, as we comp stimulus, uh, especially as e-com rolled over because we were going into like we were fully reopened. The COVID restrictions were lifted and it was just, you know, just comping an impossible comp in so many ways. And so these businesses slowed. And, you know, the first thing right in that cycle um, <clears throat> the first thing in that cycle to get cut is going to be your ad spend, right? So as soon as revenue starts to slow down and the comp- and management teams don't have any, like they don't know where the bottom is going to be, you cut discretionary ad spend, anything programmatic, digital related, which is why Meta, Snapchat, Pinterest, you know, all were just terrible investments and, and performers in 22 when we were short most of them. Um, you know, fast forward to this year, right? We have seen kind of a stabilization, a slight improvement as we hit those comparisons that, you know, Brian mentioned, um, you know, through the spring and into the summer. And that stabilization has resulted in uh, advertisers starting to ramp budgets back up after they cut them too much going into the tail end of last year. So that's driving part of the reacceleration in ad spend that we're seeing across, you know, the, the, the industry. Um, you know, the question always just becomes like how durable that is and how long that lasts for, uh, because, you know, when we go into a recession, when the consumer, you know, all those dynamics that Brian mentioned, uh, you know, actually take hold unemployment rates spiking, um, that will inevitably result in another downward revision or another round of budget cuts and advertising, which will be negative for everybody. Um, so, you know, for me and Hedgeye, you know, we have a bunch of different sectors here. You know, I'm in comms, like I mentioned, Brian's in retail. Um, the, the two obviously interrelate. Um, there's leads and lags and all these dynamics. But the other thing that I think we do that's you know pretty interesting is we've, we're pretty data dependent. And so I've developed some pretty, I would say, reliable, high frequency, in some cases, daily trackers for advertising spend and ad pricing that really helps me better understand where we are. And so I can tune out a lot of the noise that's going on and really understand like what these companies are going to do in real time and then flow that through my model. And so, you know, while I definitely have, you know, while I'm on very, very high alert for any deteriorating trends, um, you know, we do have data to kind of help us navigate if and when that phase transition occurs. So I would just... Uh, Leave it at that. Got it, Andrew. All right, Jag, I want to bring you into the mix here. We've been having some fun talking with the Hedgeye crew. Uh, I think I might have gotten you on with them beforehand, but I feel like they're right up your alley. We're talking a little bit about potential downside here. I saw you taking profit this morning on Cameco. What are you looking for in this market? Yeah, good morning, everybody, and glad to be back here with uh, with Hedgeye. Always nice to talk to you guys. What's up, Jag? It's good yeah, seeing you, man. Good to see you, too. Um, always, always nice to run into you guys in these spaces. So, uh, yeah, we did take profits in Kamiko calls today. Um, we're still overall net-net. We're short in the portfolio. Continue to look for downside in consumer discretionary names, generally speaking, because I am far more fundamentally driven here based on leading channel checks than the technical picture. And I believe that uh, the environment continues to deteriorate around consumer. Uh, 
I have a question for Hedgeye, if anybody wants to answer from the team. Um, you know the last time when the ISM Manufacturing PMI Index in the United States went into contraction was actually 10 months ago in December of 2022. That's when the manufacturing, ISM Manufacturing Index fell below 50 contraction. It has stayed below 50 for the last 10 consecutive months. But if it was, but it wasn't up until just now, in the last month or two months, when the impact of that is now being felt by the industrial complex. And to give you one example of that, if you look at just Caterpillar earnings that came out just this morning, and this is another name in which we had a short position going into the earnings. The stock is collapsing by about 6% here and is down more than 20% from its 52-week high. This company mentioned that their backlog is down $2.6 billion. Their book-to-bill ratio is now below 1, coming in at 0.85x, and its orders are down 16% year-over-year. So, you know, it took a very long time after the manufacturing PMI went into contraction some 10 months ago to see the industrial complex start posting and guiding like this. My question is this. As the time goes by, are we going to, in hindsight, in months from now, are we going to learn that the AI mania of first half of 2023 essentially delayed the inevitable realities of classic tightening cycle that was always right in front of everyone the whole time? Meaning, basically, we just had a delayed market reaction to the tightening cycle because of AI injection in the first half of 2023. But now those realities of the tightening cycle are finally coming into display in front of us. Do you agree with that logic? And if so, then quite frankly, 2024 does not look good, does it? Yeah, someone, yeah Brian? Yeah, I, I think that's a spot on common. I mean, I, I, I think it's funny. It was um, I think it was at the Goldman Retail Conference where the Home Depot CEO, he stood up there and he said the Fed is doing such a great job They're they're We're going to have a soft landing and everything is going to be OK. And that was the point in time where rates just started to rip. So the market started to do to rates what the Fed is afraid to do, which is tighten. Um, uh, so I, 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 I think your comment is spot on. Uh, Can I just, I, I thought that was a great comment too. Um, I would just add a couple things. One, um, you know, I think it's important to like look at equity performance, especially year to date in context of, you know, the magnificent seven or whatever you want to call them at this point, right. Relative to everything else. I mean, the impact of a delayed tightening, what have you. I mean, if you look at rate sensitive equities, regional banks, you know, smaller cap, anything with leverage, it's absolutely gotten crushed. And it's been a massive underperformer this year. Um, you know, everything that's you know, rate sensitive, um, you know, AI is real in my, in my opinion. I mean, I see it impacting the ad tech space. Uh, you know, it's been impacting the ad tech space. AI has been around for a while, but as far as the efficiency 
the, the efficiency that you know these companies can offer smaller advertisers through their scale uh, to improve return on ad spend through better targeting through these AI initiatives and also to drive better engagement. Um, you know, it's something that's really like has a positive ROI to it. Um, at the same time, you know, if you look at these large big tech companies, they have a ton of cash, they're positive free cash flow. Uh, they have a lot, you know, in the case of Google, you know, they have $120 billion of cash, you know, on their balance sheet that was going to go from, or that went from earning 0% interest, right? Now that can get a risk-free return of 5%, right? So the interest income alone that Google's throwing off is probably, you know, just the, in terms of dollars, you know, it's like larger than probably I would argue like most of the, the Russell 2000, right? So um, I think that you know, what we're seeing a lot in terms of the rates is, you know, investment going to the areas that the businesses that are improving, right? Capital flowing to the rate of change dynamics with, you know, meta and the ad market getting better, but also discriminating or discerning between, you know, valuable free cash flowing businesses and, you know, businesses, frankly, that are non-profitable and that can't get the scale and that aren't sustainable. And so, um, you know, I like 2024, there's definitely, you know, more difficult comps, especially in the back half of 24. Um, but that's just kind of maybe my more nuanced take in terms of the impact on the tightening uh, from higher rates, because we definitely are seeing it flow through a lot of company fundamentals so far this year. Yeah, Evan? Yeah, I, I would like to, uh, I appreciate all the insights, by the way, and uh, really do love doing these spaces with Hedgeye. Uh, great link up in the next above if you're enjoying it. But I would like to uh, take Jaguar's question and raise another question. I think there's no way of denying it that this is an AI hype cycle that's going on right now. There's a lot of companies that are, are doing really cool stuff with it, but there's also a lot of companies saying they're doing cool stuff with it and probably won't end up being anything. But my question would be, what are the chances that this hype cycle lasts long enough? Um, you know, we have AMD earnings coming up after the close. They're expected to talk about their AI chip coming up. I think there's some big words that could be said there. Uh, NVIDIA, you know, the first time they came in with a big beat on, on guidance, we thought it wouldn't happen again, and they did it again. Uh, and now we're all sitting here thinking, oh, they, can, they can't do it again. There's no way. But uh, we shall see on that one. So my question would be, second time saying that, uh, what are the chances that this hype cycle lasts long enough to start seeing the real impacts? How, what are the chances that, you know, we have another six months, nine months, you know, of NVIDIA and AMD led fuel that kind of gets us to the point where Microsoft, where Google, where Apple puts out Siri and starts to see some stuff and, and everything like that, that we get to the point where I'm not talking about those weird companies that were saying they're doing AI, but these mega cap companies start getting to uh, actually make money from it. Yeah, Evan. So before the the boys can answer that, and, and good question. But uh, as a former subscriber myself, so I, I joined Hedgeye or came in house uh, about a year ago, October of, of 2022. Uh, prior to that, I, I used Hedgeye you know, for my own personal accounts uh, to help me, you know, risk manage and uh, create, you know, good portfolio construction within my my family's retirement accounts and, and our personal accounts, that kind of thing. So you know, I'm I'm going to kind of speak a little bit from. How can one use Hedgeye Research to help? Um, basically, Evan, what what I'm hearing from you is like a, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of noise out there. There's noise every day. There's noise all over Twitter. There's noise in your inbox. Um, there's noise on TV. There's noise everywhere, right? So one great thing about Hedge Eye is that it helps filter out that noise and helps you kind of really narrow in on the data and the rate of change. And in particular, leveraging, you know, Keith and, and the Hedge Eye's, you know, signal. So the volatility adjusted signal. Um, and right now, the, the, in specifically in NVIDIA, it's, it, it's switched to a bearish trend signal uh, in the last couple of weeks. And that's the first time we've seen that uh, or NVIDIA have a bearish trend uh, since we really started tracking it and including it in the risk range product. It had been bullish for um, many, many months. Uh, so I think that's like a new development, Evan. And, and what that's typically saying is it's kind of, you know, it's front running the fundamentals or front running any kind of uh, analysis or earnings release or what have you that you can see out there. And I know both Andrew and Brian really do uh, combine that a lot. They'll, they'll lean on, on Keith's signal in addition to their, you know, very rigorous, you know, data-driven fundamental research. Uh, so it's this kind of, you know, quantum mental, you know, research environment that, that we provide at Hedgeye. And I'll let the, like, the guys kind of uh, expand on that or, or how they incorporate both the signal and, 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 uh, and their own fundamentals. Yeah, Jag? Or did Brian, did you want to go first? Yeah, sure. So, so thanks, Robert. That was, that was really a great overview as to how Hedgeye really uh, works. Um, you know, the, the spirit of the question, I mean, look, being a retail analyst, I, I'm certainly no expert in AI, um, as we often like to make fun of um, here because of the hype around it. And the hype is just so insane. But I mean, it kind of reminds me of the dot-com bubble. And I was back at Morgan Stanley then working as a retail analyst. And um, it was it was uh, just kind of watching the whole landscape. You know, the analyst who we had then at that point in time, Mary Meeker, the, who everybody knows, was actually right about one thing. Um, and that is that of every hundred companies that were in the space and talking about it, there would probably be three who ended up being the last man standing and they ended up being huge stocks. Um, but I will say, as I look back at that point in time, the hype around it didn't end slowly. It ended very abruptly um, and it, 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 and it ended in a recession. Um, so I would be surprised personally, and this is just my own personal opinion. This is an agile's opinion. Um, I would personally be surprised if the AI hype that every company is talking about out, out there actually outlived the recession that we're likely going to have in the first half of 2024. Yeah, Jack? Yeah, I want to uh, pivot the discussion. That was a great question, by the way, Evan, uh, but I think that uh, the, the, the team did a great job in answering it. So I want to pivot the question a little bit to something else, and I have a question for for Brian, because he follows the retail sector very closely. Brian, in August, we started to short the consumer discretionary in Jaguar. We started to short the consumer discretionary, the mall retailers, the specialty retailers, nonstop, everywhere, across the board. And it paid out beautifully. I mean, you can see the trends or just pull up the chart of XRT. You have probably seen it yourself and how that sector has performed throughout in August, September, right? And a little bit in October as well. Um, 
My question is specifically related to Kohl's, symbol KSS, and I'm going to put you on a hot seat here to see if you can answer this. Kohl's has a dividend yield of 9.1%. You saw the news last night that VF Corp cut dividend by 70% after the new management took over. They did a kitchen sink quarter. They cut their free cash flow guidance down to 600 million versus previous guidance from three months ago was 900 million. And they pulled the full year guidance. So nobody knows now what's happening in the company. And they cut their dividend by 70%. Kohl's has a 9.1% dividend yield. I don't see how that is sustainable. Is there a similar risk to Kohl's that they're going to cut and slash that dividend very, very soon, perhaps as we go into the holiday season and they realize that the promotional environment has to be very, very high to bring the consumer out with heavy discounting, which is exactly what I'm seeing in a lot of my research. Do you see that risk on Kohl's? And on a larger context, that's the short-term view, but then on a longer-term you know, view, let's say a year, two years from now, if I could just be blunt about this question, do you see Kohl's going the way of Sears Kmart, eventually a zero? I love that question. Um, so I think the, the, um, there's a lot of things which are overlooked about Kohl's. And just to be clear about something, I've been short Kohl's for most of my career. Um, there are times I've been right. There are times I've, I've been wrong, but most recently I've been right. Um, I don't have a call on it right now, though. If I if you were to tell me, Brian, you got to be long or short right now, I would definitely be short it. Um, and the reason is, is, is that it doesn't really matter as much what Coles is selling that faux cashmere sweater for or their or their uh, puffy coats for or or their. $80 Nike sneakers for this holiday season, it matters what they're earning on their credit book. Um, and that's what people really don't look at. About 100%, I think probably over 100% of Kohl's operating profit right now is driven by credit. That means everything you're buying in the store, the company is just breaking even on it. They're probably even losing money on it. But they're making money on the credit transaction with you buying that on your Kohl's card. So if you want a really good gauge as to where, where the risk is, it's on the credit book. And the best thing to do is watch, like I have Josh Steiner here who covers our banks, um, and he does a really good job on names like Capital One, which is a really close one to watch, especially for Kohl's, and what's happening with the charge-off rates. And they are going the wrong way. The delinquencies look terrible. The charge-offs look terrible. And they're going to get a lot worse. And that gives you a very big operating profit risk at, at Kohl's. So when you listen to the conference calls and people are talking about the, the false sales, and it's like irrelevant. No one steps up and asks management the real question, which is what's going on with your credit book and what's the risk that you have a major charge-off event. Um, and that, in fact, will likely happen in the coming six months, in which case that dividend is certainly at, at risk. So that's how I would answer the first part of your question. I'll 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 pause in 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 case you have any. Hey, Brian, I just 
I just want to expand on that just for a second because I think that 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 similar concept is really in line with your short thesis on Nordstrom, which I do think is kind of unique out there. And, and Jag, you know, great question on Coles. I was actually chuckling on mute over here, just smiling because I knew McGough was going to just hit a home run uh, with that with that bad boy. But Brian, you want to you want to maybe take that one one further and in, in, in terms of like the the credit um, risk inside of Nordstrom as well? Yeah. So Nordstrom has a lot of credit risk. Over 100% of operating profit is is credit. Um, and Nordstrom, it's funny. I mean, people think about it as a good retailer. It, it's, it's, it's fine, right? I'll shop there every once in a while. But it's a family-run business. And the Nordstrom family is incompetent. They should not be running this company, period. You got a clean house. If, if there's any reason why I'd long this stock, it would be an act, it, that an activist is going to step in and somehow gain control of the board, clean the Nordstrom family out of there. But, I mean, this management team slash the family has tried taking this thing private like three times, uh, and they couldn't do it anytime. No one will lend them the capital. And now in a higher interest rate environment, they definitely won't get the capital. So neither Nordstrom, and I'll tie this back into Jack's question, or or Kohl's, I, I, I think are like Sears or JCPenney type companies. Um, I think they will both still be here in five or 10 years. The question is, how big will they be? And in the case of Kohl's, does the company need to operate 1,100 stores, each of which is 100,000 square feet? The answer there is no. It needs probably 600 stores, and those stores need to be maybe 50 or 60,000 square feet, um, which means that uh, it, it and, and, and people like talking about the real estate value with Kohl's. That's all BS. Um, if you're talking Macy's, yeah, there's real estate value there because they have assets like Herald Square, and they operate in regional malls where Sears actually monetized a lot of their stores over time. Uh, but Kohl's operates in strip centers, and there are 20,000 strip centers out there. There are a dime a dozen. So the value of that real estate is almost nil. So anytime a bull comes at, at me on Kohl's and says, oh, no, but there's all this great real estate value, I definitely call BS on, on that. So the answer to the second part of the question, Jag, is yes, I think it'll exist. It'll just be a lot smaller. Hey, Wolf, Andrew's got to jump here in like five minutes. Uh, Andrew, yeah. is there – yeah, I don't know if uh, there's any questions for um, Freebird before he jumps off. And, and take a look at the – he took a picture of, of McGough in the office. I put it up in the nest. It's awesome. Uh, Brian loves his guitars. and So take a look at, uh, at that as well. But any any questions for Freebird or Wolf or Evan Jag? Yeah, yeah, Andrew. If you have to jump here in a few minutes, I'd love to just kind of takeaways pretty succinctly for the retail audience that we have in here. There's a lot of them that are looking at tech, right? That always catches the eye, especially at times like this. Perhaps retail a little bit. Within those, you've mentioned a few different stocks. Kind of, if you had to wrap it up in in a stock pitching manner, what would be the big takeaways for you? Yeah, I mean, I would say uh, cautiously optimistic on digital ad trends. Um, the Pinterest result is case in point to that. Um, <clears throat> we have to, you know, be careful and watch how the environment unfolds in the next, call it three to six months, as we always do. But um, you know, I think that budgets continue to move in the right direction here. 
Um, <clears throat> so on the one hand, you know, we have to be mindful again of things can change. So I would say that, you know, be mentally flexible in terms of, you know, your viewpoints and, you know, that's what we do here at Hedgeye and try to be data dependent and listen to what the data tells us to inform our next move because, you know, there's always a better use of your capital somewhere else typically when you're trying to optimize a portfolio. And sometimes that could be cash, but sometimes that can be individual stocks. Um, but from our seat, you know, we're still net positive on Meta, Google, Pinterest, Roku, uh, those stocks today. And, um, you know, that could change. But as of right now, I think uh, we're sticking with it. So, Awesome. Pleasure having you on, Andrew. And are you going to be part of that pitch? Yeah, I'll be there. They're perfect. And one more time, for those that didn't check it out just yet, uh, I retweeted it onto my timeline and I, I messaged it to anyone that asked for it. But again, tomorrow there's going to be 10 stocks pitched with Hedgeye. They've got an 80% plus hit rate this year, including the last three months where the market's kind of tanked uh, in a lot of different areas. So it's completely free for our audience, usually worth hundreds of dollars of value. Uh, can't hurt to come in and get some great stock ideas from people that are batting at that higher percentage. So links on my timeline. Pleasure having you on, Andrew. And we'll keep the conversation going here for another 20 plus. Got it. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thank you. Let's go over to Jaguar and then Nate, Kim, let's get you involved as well. Yeah. Uh, it's doing it's doing that thing from yesterday, Jag, where your sounds kind of go in uh, like oh. an accordion. I'm not sure if it's uh, something to do with your service or not. Unfortunately, I cannot hear you. It's not coming through. All right, we'll get him back up here in a minute. Nate, you want to hop in with some thoughts here? Yeah, great discussion, even the robotic part of it. Um, I, I guess to kind of take the other side of it a little bit, because um, I actually agree that uh, 2024 is precarious looking for sure. Consumers look a little bit weak here. Um, but the comments earlier about, you know, we're Americans like to spend and we're heading into the holiday season. I agree. I think we're going to see, you know, people will find ways to spend money. So I don't know that the end of this year will necessarily see these kind of negative impacts tr reach the markets as, as strongly as maybe some suggest. Um, but I am, I am worried about 2024, but I guess the, the opposite side of that is, you know, unemployment remains fairly low. And just from anecdotal, you know, anecdotal kind of uh, look at things, you know, people that I know that are looking to gain income are going out and picking up work and they're getting it. And I haven't heard too many people struggling to find work and the larger corporations, um, you know, we had the layoffs, you know, sweep through, but you haven't been hearing a ton of that recently. And in some sectors, you know, again, looking for uh, to add employees. So, the employment picture is very interesting to me because uh, because of the resilience there and the ability for consumers to kind of add some income. Um, I don't think the trends really speak to that 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 kind of scenario. Adding to savings, you know, savings are being depleted. Credit cards uh, balances are rising, um, but I think they're still at relatively low levels. Um, I think overall, we still had a huge amount of savings that propped up through. Uh, the past several years with all the added you know, money pumped into the markets. So it's an interesting spot, kind of, uh, I don't want to say unprecedented, but it's it's just definitely, we got a lot of, of variables to consider. And consumer strength, I think, is the right place to be focused. So I'm glad that the conversation is, is around that. Um, 
I guess moving into next year, you know, yeah, the way Nate, I'm in the position. Nate, there, there, no, I, I, Nate, I, we we would kind of agree to a certain extent there in terms of listen. There, there's areas to be bullish, and, and in particular in the commodity space. You know, uh, I know Jag earlier said he was taking profits on on Cameco, you know, uranium. You know, kind, kind of areas where you know companies have um, uh, they have uh, sorry. <clears throat> What does the word I'm looking for? Uh, not uh, basically it's price stability, right? So, so they they have they're in a place where they don't have to cut price or you know like like Kellogg's for instance has has rent price so much, right? So now they're in a place where they can't really juice that that margin anymore from just price action, and they have to figure it out from a uh, from a top line standpoint, as in more revenue and more sales or are, you know, they know, or are they going to, you know, increase their kind of, you know, quote unquote marketing spend uh, by cutting uh, discounts. And I think uh, McGough in, in the retail space is seeing a similar thing, Nate, where, you know, he, he, he likes, he wants to find companies that are, um, you know, putting dollars to work in building out their brands and, and, and rather than trying to, you know, cost save and because it, it doesn't pay out, like it might save them in a quarter or two. It doesn't, pan out in you know the course of the next you know 12 to 24 months and and for brian in particular you know he 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 loves that tail duration which is that three-year time horizon you know restoration hardware is one of his favorite names from a three-year time horizon and they're doing some really great stuff over there in terms of you know european expansion they're putting money to work and expanding that brand and expanding their footprint um so yeah so i mean i'll pass it back to you nate but but again i mean we've been quite bearish (laughs) so far on this call but you know we are, we are long. We have a lot of longs in the book and, and a lot of areas that we, that we uh, do think are worth having your investments in. Yeah, no, absolutely love to hear that. And, um, and appreciating all the points being made really, because I, I think that there's a lot of conversation to be had around consumer strength. And I think the tone has been pretty bearish. And I think for good reasons, a lot of data points out there. Um, but I guess where my, my head is at, and I'm going to, you know, full, to kind of full circle this, I am aligned with uh, being cautious heading into next year. I think I'm a little bit more bullish uh, for the end of the this this year, you know, closing out the quarter because of the tendency for consumers to still spend into the holidays. Um, I think we've got some catch up trades going on with money managers that are behind a little bit, and uh, you know, so we and then every you know the sentiment really is after these last few months of selling off has really turned a little bit more negative. Um, so for me, it looks like a little bit of an opportunity, but definitely very short term um, because of next year's, you know, headwinds that we've got. We've just been mounting, you know, all year here. Um, so, yeah. And I guess if we want to pivot, I don't want to shift the conversation too much, but would be curious about your thoughts in the energy space, um, because we saw a little bit of a pullback um, here in oil and in those names. And obviously those those prices trickle through to hit the consumer as well. Um, and so kind of curious your thoughts there if we get around to it. Thanks for letting me be a part of the discussion, guys. This is a great panel. Yeah, totally, Nate. Uh, just We've got, you know, McGough, who's co-founder of Edgeye and uh, retail analyst. So I, I'd love to – I will answer your energy question, but would love to kind of pivot back to kind of retail consumer spending and that kind of thing as well. But, um, but yeah, so in terms of energy, uh, you know, this is – to us, this is uh, – you know, we've been long energy since about July time frame. Uh, specifically, kind of oil and and you know oil related equities. Uh, now, something like an XLE actually just went bearish trend uh, most recently, uh, actually today. 
uh, this morning. So it went neutral yesterday, uh, turned bearish this morning. So on the equity front, uh, energy-related stocks, you know, that's that uh, we would be, you know, reducing in and out of those positions at this point in time. Um, but sticking with things like uh, XOP, for instance, remains. You got cut off for me. Had a phone call come in. Can you still hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Right, phone call came in. Sorry about that, guys. Um, you know, XOP, AMLP. You know, from those would be things that that we remain long. Uh, USO in terms of oil itself. You know, this is a, a buying opportunity. As I mentioned, in kind of start of the call, you know, we're seeing inflation from our model and nowcast model to uh, staying higher and, and elevated for longer. So kind of in this you know, call it right, right in this kind of range, right? So um, kind of a, a slight acceleration to slight deceleration, uh, but really a quad three environment where growth is slowing. And I think that's really what's why we're so focused on that piece is that that inflation we are seeing kind of just staying relatively flat for the next you know three quarters, including this quarter, Q4. Um, and then uh, with, with the growth being the big kind of delta and the rate of change to the downside. Um, so, and, and we're trying to navigate and risk manage that that growth piece while you know staying long and uh, things that benefit from an inflationary environment. Yeah, Evan. Yeah, I'd love to throw a question over to Brian. I'd love to get his thoughts on uh, Amazon's earnings from last week. You know, obviously the EPS came in well above expectations. Amazon goes through these cycles of spending a lot and, and not caring about profitability, and then going through cycles of really pushing hard and when they pivot that it can be difficult for analysts to keep up with that. So uh, they definitely, uh, what is this, uh, more than a 50% beat on uh, what EPS guidance was. So that's pretty, no, sorry, what EPS was expected, not guidance. Um, guidance was more or less uh, in line with expectations. But I would love to get your thoughts on uh, Amazon and what's kind of telling you about the consumer from that one. Obviously, uh, still putting up some massive numbers. So uh, the U.S. consumer is still spending. Sure. Yeah, thanks. So I look, I mean, Amazon is one of the few stocks that we are bullish on. And, and as I noted earlier, like there are at least in retail, some names I'm bullish on, I, I think are actually going down, um, uh, which might make no sense. But Amazon, I think, is going up. I think Amazon is going to hit new all time highs. Um, the, the signal on it uh, is kind of mixed right now. But as far as the earnings go, that's what I think is going to continue to surprise people on the upside. There's a few things happening, and there are so many parts of this business. I can't go through all of, all of them right now, but I can talk about the e-com business, the cloud. I mean, the the cloud growth first and first and foremost at Amazon, which everyone always loves to focus on because it's such a huge portion of the company's operating profit, and they should focus on it, um, has actually found a bottom. So growth has been decelerating. That's one of the many reasons why we had been bearish on it. You know, anytime growth in your big profit center decelerates, the stock will rarely go up. Um, and we found a bottom uh, probably about a quarter or two ago as far as AWS. On the retail side of things, um, we are seeing a bigger picture trend where uh, – Ecom is gaining share from brick and mortar. Now, you might hear that statement and say, yeah, no crap, Brian. Of course, I know ecom is gaining share from brick and mortar. That sounds obvious. That's a secular trend. But over the past two years, brick and mortar has been gaining share from ecom. 
Because if you really think about it, during the pandemic, um, everybody shifted over to e-com. So the brick and mortar stores really lost out in a big way. And then upon reopening, brick and mortar really started gaining share at a much greater rate or, or started gaining share, period. Just about a month ago, that inflected, where now e-com is gaining share again. So we like Amazon. Um, I, I think my analyst, Jeremy McLean, who's great on this name, um, he, he's got like a thousand-row model on it. Um, it, it, which, uh, and, and I see him listening in. So Jeremy, if you want to jump up and speak and kind of expand on Amazon, this kind of a, could be a great way to finish up, but yeah, go ahead, Brian. Yeah. Jeremy, why don't you jump in? I, uh, can bring him up if he does request, but for now you want to keep going. As okay. Yeah, fun. sure. So we, we, we do like Amazon. I, I think this is covered by mostly tech analysts and no offense to tech analysts, but they're not very rigorous with modeling and valuation. Um, whereas we're kind of forced to in our world where we have to focus on things like real cash flow and operating profit as opposed to just sales and slapping a sales multiple on it. But I mean, Amazon is making real money right now and it's going to make a lot more in the coming quarters and next year or two than most people think. And our model is ahead to the consensus by not a little. So we are bullish on that. Perfect. Speaking of Jeremy, we did get him up on stage. Should have his mic available in any second. So let's go and bring in Jeremy. Go for it, Jeremy. Can you hear me all right? Yep. Thanks. Yeah, I think Brian got, got the core pieces there. But just, you know, when we look at Amazon, we, we're, we're bullish on that sort of trend setup, which is like, you know, a multi-quarter view when uh, those core business uh drivers are, are accelerating so you know we think online uh, online stores they call it basically like their us e-commerce um is what, what i'm talking about when i say that but um aws and their advertising business are all accelerated this last quarter and we think are going to accelerate in the fourth quarter so um you know that's a that's a recipe for we think numbers to go up and and the multiple to to at least stay where it is maybe maybe march higher so that's the sort of setup we like on uh on amazon why we're bullish yeah, from a signal standpoint, it's uh, kind of sticking with a neutral trend at the moment. But that risk range is 118 to 135. Uh, so right now it's trading just north of 132. So you walk onto the top end of that risk range, you know, we'll, we'd, we'd like to just kind of see that price action continue to move higher um, and regain its its bullish trend, which it which it had had. Um, yeah, I think yeah, the right now it's, it's right now it's a little bit of a wait and watch situation from from just from a signal standpoint. I know you guys are fundamentally bullish. I think the level there was um, 131, so it basically needs to hold that for a few days here to, to truly go bullish trend. So we'll see how it does. Yeah, exactly. And if if I could just chime in for a minute, like that's, I, I think, just a good example as to how people can use Hedgeye. So you have Keith, who has his signals, um, and then you have the analysts who have their fundamental view on a company and on a stock over a multi-year duration. So we look at things over uh, trade duration, which is 30 days or less, um, and which are your near-term catalyst trend, which is two to three quarters out, and tail, which is three years out. Um, Keith's signal will change daily. And when Keith's view on the signal, or it's not his view on the signal, it's a signal. Um, but when that aligns with Keith's macro view, 
and the analyst view, that's when you have a really good stock idea. And that's when our batting average goes up in a very, very meaningful way. Let's uh, bring back to Jaguar real quick. We got cut off before. Let's see if this sounds a little better and then we get it, Brad. Uh, but I appreciate you coming up here, Jeremy. Jag, you want to hop in? All right. Um, sorry, was that for me or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See if yeah. you want to jump back in. Your sound's good now. Yeah, I I have a high level question for the group. Um, you know, here's the trend, um, and I pointed this out a couple different spaces with Wolf, um, and w I'm trying to put my head around this. How this makes any sense at all? I'm looking at the S and P 500 index the whole market, and I'm looking at, on the earnings per share side, the growth rate year over year in Q1 of this year was down 3.1%. Q2 was down 5.8% year over year. Q3, while it's not over yet, but it looks like we're going to settle around 0%, maybe even lower, because there's still a lot to come particularly on the many cyclical sides of the of the of the of the ledger a lot of companies have yet to report earnings but beyond q3 this gets really on the street assumptions get completely wild for q4 the street is modeling 7.2% growth rate year over year for the entire s&p 500 index which would be a hockey stick improvement you know, going into the year end. But then you go beyond that to 2024, the street is at 8.1% year over year for Q1, 11.8% growth in Q2, 11.8% growth in Q3, 14.4% growth in Q4. And what this means is that the street, now if I just look at the earnings per share for the total index, the street is modeling a, a growth rate for the S&P 500 index for earnings per share to go from $219 per share in 2023 to $246 per share in 2024, which would be a massive double-digit increase of 11.9% year over year. And this is happening at a time when we have 8% mortgage rates used car financing at double-digit percentage, somewhere in the neighborhood of around 13%, and credit card interest rates at 20-plus percent. I don't even know what the real number is now. And you have extreme amount of tightening hitting the consumer, as evident by many of these earnings reports. And you have um, student loans kicking in just in October. And I'm trying to find out what is the driver for street assuming this hockey stick improvement starting now in Q4 and then massive increase of double digit increase in the earnings per share for the S&P. Can, can any of you try to bridge that? Where is this a street, the street consensus is coming from and what would be the driver for it to get us there to $246 per share for the S&P in 2024? Yeah, this is Brian. If I could jump in on this one, you get a big amen from me on that question. That was an, an extraordinarily well phrased question. And your point is absolutely spot on. I can tell you, um, 
at least in retail, but probably for the whole market, where those expectations are coming from. And it's coming from management teams because management teams are guiding towards very high numbers. They've got to promise really high earnings growth to their board of directors. They're accountable to their board and they've got to put out these ambitious plans. Look, I I actually worked at Nike for a couple of years, which is a pretty sophisticated uh, organization in the grand scheme of things. And even they don't know what the hell their numbers are. They don't have a clue until like a day before earnings. Um, and if, if, if a company like Nike is oblivious about what the macro environment looks like over a 12-month time frame, never mind a 12-week time frame, imagine what your, your average company out there looks like. Uh, the, these management teams are simply oblivious. Either they don't know or they do know what their earnings are going to be and they're lying. Um, so I think it all comes back to the management team and the old wall ecosystem that we have where people don't do their own thinking, their own critical thinking and their own critical modeling and their own research. They just really rely on what management teams tell them. And I call BS on what almost every management team is saying right now with very few exceptions. We'll put their jag. Okay. Um, I, I know some people have to drop here at 1030, but we can roll for maybe another five or so. I want to hit Brad and Kim real quick and then we can maybe wrap up from there. I will say it's been an absolute pleasure having on the Hedge team here. If people are in the audience and haven't checked out Brian, Robert, while they're up here, we've had a couple other members as well, as well as the rest of this awesome panel. I highly recommend doing so. Hedge is just always a staple. First of all, you guys have the best uh, finance cartoons, I would say, hands down. Those are always highlights of my day. Anybody can go over to the Hedgeye page. Love hearing from Keith as well. Hopefully we can get Keith onto one of these spaces at some point. Always a burst of energy. And then again, uh, for anybody that wants to come away with some actual ideas, uh, these guys are batting more than 80% this year, which is awesome to see. And I did go ahead and I just retweeted this onto my timeline. So it's just the last post. It's really easy to see. I, I can see a bunch of you have already gone ahead and taken advantage. Uh, they're going to be doing a Shark Tank style pitch competition. Tomorrow, it's going to be 10 ideas, 10 stock ideas uh, over the course of an hour, 11 a.m. Eastern. Uh, should be a really fun one. Completely free to our audience. Literally no downside. Might as well do your portfolio a favor and check it out. It's on my page. If you can't find it, just DM me the word stock ideas or stock pitch, and I'll get it over to you as well in the DMs. But for right now, let's bring in Brad. Brad, we've talked a bunch of different topics here. I know I saw your message to me, but should be fine if you want to share maybe a couple thoughts here on the discussion and maybe a stock or two you're really liking at the moment. Uh, yeah, maybe just circling back to Amazon for a second and supporting all the all the nice things that, that people were saying about it. Um, I mean, obviously the AWS stabilization and, and Andy Jassy talking about workload optimization, appetite shifting to new workload demand is really encouraging. But I want to talk about North American uh, EBIT margin and, and where that went last quarter. So I think it was two quarters ago where Andy Jassy was just being bombarded uh, by, by Southside analysts about questions about North American EBIT margin just getting back to that 4% ceiling um, that it got to last cycle. And they actually got to 4.9% um, during during this quarter with him telegraphing that there's more upside coming. And that, that that's really a product of this local fulfillment, regionalization, whatever you want to call it, um, ambition and, and project that they're on right now, shifting from one just centralized network across all North America to eight more regional fulfillment centers um, it, it's cutting miles to fulfill, and their in-stock inventory levels have gotten to a point where it, it's cutting it by a lot, and it's cutting miles to fulfill by a lot. It's cutting 
um, touches and, and, and packaging by a lot because they're able to consolidate shipments more effectively. Um, so when, when pairing that with what they were talking about with the reacceleration in cloud computing, um, with things like advertising growth continue, continuing to buck trends and accelerate year over year, um, and then just, just smaller projects like the robotics um, the robotics uh, investments they're making uh, within, within the fulfillment centers, but also things like creatively tapping into small business owners uh, across the country and saying, hey, when you have a spare hour or two in, in the middle of your day, if you want to be an Amazon fulfillment worker or driver, um, so that we can flexibly tap into more demand and, and, and scale up and scale down with a little bit less fixed cost. Um, just, just things like that where they, they've, it's, been two, it's been two decades of, of, of basically uh, we're, we're going to invest in the future and, and profits will come down the road and we promise. And, and now we're getting to a point where those, those, those philosophy, that, that strategy has kind of flipped a little bit. And now it's, yeah, yeah we're, we're still going to expect that ho- hopefully a trough in AWS growth. And, and yeah, we're still going to expect um, continued e-commerce proliferation and this market share leader within that e- aim and within that niche to be able to take advantage of that. But they're actually doing um, the things that they need to be doing. They're taking advantage of all the low-hanging fruit and all the uh, opportunities for efficiency gains that they have really kind of put on the back burner for a long time. And I think that 4.9% EBIT margin was really just the beginning, um, not not to mention the fact that international EBIT margin um, almost broke even last quarter, which was uh, a, a lot better than I was actually hoping for and expecting. So um, just a lot more qualitative things, basically, to say I agree um, in, in, a, in a very long way. Um, and I mean, you look forward on a, on a three-year uh, smooth uh, compounded annual growth rate in terms of net income, and the peg is is right around one, and the EBIT peg is right around one. So, um, so yeah, uh, I, I like Amazon as well. Great, it was a really really good quarter. Um, all these things we're talking about in terms of uh, localization of fulfillment. Not not only does that cut costs and and make them a more efficient uh, fulfiller of packages, but it also they were talking a lot about on the call about how it's letting them. Um, the proportion of same-day deliveries even further so they're they're getting more consideration from consumers for things like um, consumables and perishables and daily essentials which is another interesting use case and just kind of kind of speaks to the, the network and the footprint that they've built and how that that's made um, based on the scale and now the efficiency gains that they're kind of building into the model um, these very low margin businesses um, gigantic and, 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 and big profit contributors and I mean uh, with, with the amount of revenue that they're churning on, on the, the North American marketplace side, just a basis point, two basis points, three basis points of, of operating leverage is really meaningful to overall EBIT. Um, so it's, it's uh, I mean, I, I don't want to say it's, it's exciting times because, I mean, the world is a pretty scary place right now and um, the economy is a, a somewhat fragile or maybe very fragile, depending on who you ask, thing right now. Uh, but in, in terms of where Amazon kind of presides within that that world, um, e-commerce growth seems to be bottoming when you when you look across several other um, sources of information, uh, cloud computing. When you when you listen to Microsoft, maybe not so much Google, but um, talking about how this optimization trend is kind of slowing down and how budget scrutiny is maybe morphing into again new workload demand. So uh, th- those two structural tailwinds that have been really powering their growth for a very very long time that were a bit challenged for a while are maybe maybe not becoming easier and maybe not becoming all rosy again, but they're not getting worse. Um, and and so that I think that's important. Love it, Brad. Brian, Robert, you got any comments on what Brad just shared? Uh, no, no comments. Everything I, I think is largely aligned with what we think about it. Again, I, I'm a fan of Amazon now, one of the few stocks I would actually invest in long side. Um, I think short is the way to go, uh, broadly speaking. Yeah, Wolf, just, uh, you know, if you 
enjoyed I know I know we got the pitch tomorrow, which is gonna be awesome. You know, ten analysts, uh ten ideas, sixty minutes. Uh, but if you like what what kind of Brian and if you want to learn more about the retail team, I did post his 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 weekend grind uh, tweet up in the nest, so you can kind of you know go uh, dive into that a little bit too. He covers uh, what <laughs> Brian. You've got I keep losing track. I think you've got like seventy co- companies under coverage, something like that. It's about three hundred. <laughs> well, very good point. Very good point. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I don't know, Brian, if you want to you know uh, talk briefly about kind of what folks might expect from from your research it's institutional grade but available for the retail investor which is amazing oh thanks uh, so we do a couple of things we do uh what we call black books and some of those are available to our retail pro subs we give them a wrap-up call with a video showing what we're telling institutions my 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 note that i put out every sunday night i think is very important my team works all day sunday It's a work day. Um, And we look at the week ahead, every event happening in all of retail and where people want to uh, zig, where the street is zagging, where there's a call to be made, we make it. And we move things up and down our idealists. And we do that along with Keith and his signals as, as well. And our batting average tends to be very, very good. Have I had a couple of stinkers? Yeah, of course I have, but no one's perfect. Um, I own up to them. I'm accountable and transparent to all my misses. Uh, but uh, again, very proud of the batting average and retail pro subs benefit from that. So thanks. Yeah, absolutely. And then just uh, one last thing, Wolf, uh, in terms of Andrew Freeman, who had a drop, unfortunately, he had to go run to another meeting, but he's going to be in London next week. So if you're an institutional client or family office, something like that, uh, by all means, uh, shoot a note over to sales at hedgeye.com and uh, we can try to get you on the books for, for a meeting. But uh you know, he, he also has a, a comms pro um, uh, product offering as well, which, again, you know, similar to, to, to Brian's available for the average investor, institutional grade research, et cetera, et cetera. So we got uh, we got you covered across the board. We got we got free stuff in the pitch tomorrow. Uh, I, I host the weekly notebook review every Wednesday on Twitter spaces as well. Um, but uh, but then we also obviously have a lot of uh, phenomenal investment research uh, available uh, to Wolf. And, and we look forward to. I join you again in in a couple of weeks, buddy. So thanks for having us. Yeah, really a pleasure having you both on. I'm going to give final comment to Kim here because she came back for us and uh, let oh, let her give her cheers. final comment, and then I'll close it out. But Robert, I know some of you have to drop, but we still got 400 people here. So Kim, let me give you final comment, then we'll wrap oh, up. Oh no, no problem. I've enjoyed listening to everybody. Sorry, I was up late. Um, I'm long Amazon from a consumer mom. You know. Uh, person that takes care of the home perspective. I mean, that's where I'm shopping all the time online, except for Costco. So always Costco over Amazon for me. But but I do agree because Amazon obviously has the moat for the cloud and, you know, with AI and everything, I just see growth in the future. So that's all. Sounds good. Okay, well, definitely a pleasure to have everyone, everyone on. Thank you to Shai, Nate, Kim, and Jaguar for coming along with Evan and the whole Hedgeye crew that we had on here. Hope everyone got some good takeaways from this. Uh, you know, I, I, I really like that we started kind of talking about some of the shorts that we were like in the beginning, ended off with some of the longs, some good actionable insights. Last call, last call. It's on my timeline. Grab your spot at the pitch tomorrow. You're not going to want to miss it with Keith McCullough and the team That's going to do it for this one. We'll see everyone back on Spaces in 20 minutes. We'll be talking about Tesla with a full panel 
of Tesla Bulls. So looking forward to it. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you all soon. Have a good one. Don't forget to check out Hedgeye.com to get more actionable investing insights from our team of more than 40 research analysts. And check us out on Twitter at our handle, at Hedgeye. This presentation is informational only. None of the information contained herein constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or investment vehicle, nor does it constitute investment recommendation or legal tax accounting or investment advice by Hedgeye or any of its employees, officers, agents, or guests. This information is presented without regard for individual investment preferences or risk parameters and is general, non-tailored, non-specific information. This content is based on information from sources believed to be reliable. Hedge is not responsible for errors and accuracies or omissions of information. The opinions and conclusions contained in this report are those of the individual expressing those opinions and conclusions and are intended solely for the use of Hedgeye subscribers and the authorized recipients of the contents. All investments entail a certain degree of risk and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors, including those not considered in the preparation of the content. Consult your financial professional before investing. The information contained herein is protected by United States and foreign copyright laws and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient. Access must be provided directly by Hedgeye. Redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited. For more detail, please refer to the terms of service at hedgeye.com slash terms of service.